They say that actually, every time that I enter the ring, in a way, I'm going to war. They say to me daily, you are a prize fighter. What's the difference? And I like to say to those critics of the press and to the others that there is one hell of a lot of difference in fighting in the ring and going to war in Vietnam. Boxing is nothing like going to war with machine guns, bazookas, hanging aids, bomber airplanes. My intention is to box to win a clean fight. But in war, the intention is to kill, 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 and continue killing innocent people. Groups of black veterans recently met in Washington, D.C., and these groups have never come together like this before. They're hoping that by joining forces and telling their stories, they can make their voices heard regarding generations of inequality that they faced after serving their country. NPR's Quill Lawrence reports. Richard Brookshire served as a combat medic in Afghanistan, where he saw a lot. In 2016, when he got out, to the outside world, it appeared like he was all set. He had a job lined up. He'd studied public policy at Columbia University while still in the Army. I graduated graduate school, and I um, got out the military within a month of each other. And um, that fall, Trump was elected. And I think for a lot of us in this country, it was uh, a culmination of of a lot Just months later, an avowed white supremacist killed a 66-year-old black man in New York City with a sword. It turned out the murderer was a fellow Army vet Brookshire had deployed with. We were stationed on the same place for basic training. I went to Afghanistan at the same time, obviously with the same brigade, um, and then got out at the same time. That sparked, I think, in some respects, uh, a bit of a spiral for, for me. For Brookshire, that spiral became a full-blown mental health crisis. His career derailed. But as he was working on getting better, he noticed there were lots of other black vets needing help, and veterans' organizations weren't connected. I looked on the Internet, and when you, you Google black vets, nothing much shows up. Brookshire went on to help found the Black Veterans Empowerment Council, the BVEC, 19 black veterans groups working together. Brookshire was telling his story at their very first meeting in Washington. Listen, I'm like a working class kid, grew up with a Haitian mom who's also a vet who's here now. Thank mom, thanks. I love you. Um, and I think my story is a powerful one insofar as that like I don't wait, I, I don't I don't ask for permission. I just do and I let spirit lead it. And I'm hoping that there's a lot of other black vets that want to stand next to me to do it. Storytelling and honoring the history of black vets is one part. Another is policy. The BVEC is already promoting research done with Yale Law School, which confirms that statistically, black vets are more often rejected by the VA or given lower benefits. Veterans getting their benefits is not something black vets should even have to ask for, says Navy vet Daniela Anderson. That's what's going to combat the the narrative on the other side, if you want to call it that, right? The narrative um, that is telling people that that this isn't necessary, that we're asking for something that's not owed. The BVEC is pushing legislation to address racial bias in VA benefits now and going back to World War II. In the meantime, the coalition can take direct action. Veterans become more expensive if they're not using VA programs, right? Eli Williamson runs Leave No Veteran Behind in Chicago. No, I'm sorry, guys. I'm an airborne soldier. So listen, you're either going to say check or you're going to say something, right? 
All right, all right. I, I, Williamson wants all of these organizations to get an in-house veterans service officer. That's like a professional VA benefits navigator. The real transformative nature of this project is that if everybody in here is doing their work around veterans, and everybody who meets you at your program is utilizing their benefits at 100%, then everybody has less work to do. If we increase the usage of VA benefits by 30 to 50%, we're talking about billions of dollars that flow into the same communities that are disinvestment, correct? The communities that these groups live and work in. Eli Williamson says the BVEC will concentrate on those three things, benefits, legislation, and history. And as he wraps up, he can't resist a little Army Marines trash talk. Being able to talk in threes is good, not just for funders, but also for Marines, because they can't, you know, they can't go past four. <laughs> what, I can't make a Marine joke? See, oh, man, look at me. See, they're about to take the mic. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. No one is taking away the microphone. The Black Veterans Empowerment Council has already pushed the administration to fund a VA racial disparity study. Next is a bill in Congress to pay reparations for black World War II vets who were cheated out of their GI Bill benefits. They're meeting again next month in Chicago. Quill Lawrence, NPR News. Sometimes, given the example of the so-called Marine Code, some people have said, they can spot an ex-Marine. Why? Is he an institution? He says, well, <laughs> yeah. He will say that, some of them. I'm a Marine. Enough said. They say, well, what does that mean? It means I'm a Marine. The U.S. Senate is expected to make history when it votes to confirm General Michael E. Langley to command U.S. forces in Africa. He'll be the first black four-star general in the Marine Corps' history. That's 246 years. That milestone is being celebrated, but also held up as a sign of how slow the military has been to change, 70 years after U.S. armed forces were officially desegregated. Here's NPR's Quill Lawrence. Senators on the Armed Services Committee made clear they intend to confirm Langley at his hearing. They asked polite, deferential questions. In classic Marine Corps style, Langley gave direct, concise answers. The global security environment we're witnessing today is the most challenging I've seen throughout my 37 years. These challenges cannot be solved by military power alone. They require an integration of diplomatic efforts and comprehensive strategies from other allies and partners. Langley is from Shreveport, Louisiana, the son of an Air Force Master Sergeant. My father dedicated 25 years to the defense of our nation, and my stepmother is a retired frontline supervisor at our U.S. post office. Without their support, I would not be here today. Langley has led from the platoon level all the way up to commanding Marine forces in all of Europe and Africa. He's deployed to Somalia and Afghanistan, where he led a team advising Afghan troops in Helmand province. The Marines saw heavy combat there. He's got graduate degrees from the Army and Navy War Colleges. So for some, it's more a question of why it's taken so long. It's great to see him getting this long uh, overdue recognition. It's a great move for the Marine Corps. Jeremy Butler with Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America says the military has diversity, just not among the senior officers, which makes it hard to persuade the best and brightest young Americans that the military should be their career. The other headlines that we're seeing today is how all the services are having an incredibly troubling time meeting their recruiting goals. And if we don't have a military that's reflective of the values that our country uh, is striving to maintain and to achieve, we're going to continue to see a decline in enlistments. 
The Marine Corps Command lags behind even other military branches in diversity. Langley is one of just half a dozen black Marine generals. He will now be the first four-star. Quill Lawrence, NPR News. Hitler had the supreme fascist state. And what was he worried about in Europe and in Germany? He was worried about white genetic annihilation. What is everybody in Europe worried about now? White genetic annihilation. All these people from Syria coming up in here. If the pandemic has showed us nothing else, it's that global health matters. And here's a problem for people who try to address many global health issues. When they try to cross borders for international meetings, like an AIDS conference later this month in Montreal, many people from poorer countries cannot get a visa. NPR's Ari Daniel reports. Tanaka Chirumbo is from Malawi, and his life work revolves around HIV. There, he oversees education and anti-stigma projects for young women who are HIV positive. And when the big AIDS conference takes place in Montreal this month, he wants to be there. I would also love to meet stakeholders in Montreal to be able to, to get funding, to be able to expand our projects in the world and to influence the projects back here at home. To go to Montreal, Chirumbo needs a visa. For someone from a low-income country like Malawi, getting one can be an expensive obstacle course. It ran Chirumbo about 1100 bucks. Two weeks after he sent in his visa application, he got his answer from the Canadian government. Denied. The main issue was me coming back from Canada. They thought I was going to stay in Canada. The authorities thought he'd want to stay because of his, quote, financial status, purpose of visit, and current employment situation. None of it made sense to him. I don't think I would ever leave abroad because I want to be in my country, to be able to change the landscape in my country, the country I love the most. That's the whole reason I'm doing this sort of work. The rejection was really hard on him. When I read that letter, I was sad. First thing I was, I was sad. Basically, I just slept. It was the easiest way to get over the pain of being rejected. His experience isn't unique. This problem extends to numerous global health conferences. As for the AIDS conference, organizers are working with the Canadian authorities to clarify what's needed to avoid these kinds of rejections. If attendees can't come in person, they can log into the proceedings virtually. But Madhukar Pai, an epidemiologist at McGill University, says that's not ideal either. What happens to all of the, you know, side room discussions, the coffee, the chat, uh, you know, at the bar at night, right? How do you network, make deals, get opportunities, right? All of those intangible benefits of in-person meetings. And this means, according to Pai, that it's often attendees from higher-income countries who make the decisions that can shape funding and the research landscape. People from the Global South might be relegated to a secondary status. If we don't do this carefully, we will dramatically worsen the inequities already in global health. It's a problem that's gone on for years. And that's because high-income countries have had the resources to host these big meetings. So says Adnan Haider, vice chair of the board of Health Systems Global, a group that promotes health policy. Frankly speaking, the decision-making around where to host those meetings was not as sensitive. 
to the concerns that we are talking about today. But I think over the past decade or so, we have a long ways to go, but that has improved. I think the intention always is there for equity. He cites the symposium that his organization hosts. A few years ago, it was held in Liverpool, but this fall, it'll take place in Bogota, Colombia. When the locations of meetings like these are changed, Dr. Michelle Joseph says that elevates those from the very countries where many global health concerns are most acute. She's in the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at the Harvard Medical School. Unless you are fully immersed and living and breathing in that country for years, you will not have what lies below, which is so much deeper and more complex. Lived experience takes years, and that's only afforded to those who live and reside and work in that space, and those are the voices that require amplification. Voices like Tanaka Chirumbo, the HIV advocate from Malawi. Why do you even put conferences in such a place where visas are so hard to get? Since his initial rejection, he submitted a revised visa application. He attached additional bank statements, his return ticket, and letters of support. To be able to prove my case, to show my, my commitment that I'm still going to go back home. A couple weeks later, Chirumbo got good news. His second visa application was accepted. Just in time. Ari Daniel, NPR News. I thought I asked for an African-American to replace Terry. You requested an Afro-American? African-American. Jerry, you know I did. I put it in writing. I didn't see it. You see it? If you don't like her, you send her back. Yeah, you tell her you didn't like her performance because she was white. What? That's not the point. Flipper, she's been here for five minutes. Give her a chance. This sounds dangerously like reverse discrimination to me. Now, former and current Cincinnati police officer are suing the city in federal court claiming reverse discrimination. So this is after they were disciplined in the department for the department for using the N-word while in uniform on duty. Mike Shell, following the trial, joins us live from downtown with the very latest, Mike. Yeah, Chris, uh, Cincinnati police officer uh, Barnett and also former police officer Dante Hill are seeking damages against the city and former police chief Elliot Isaac. Chief Isaac uh, was on the witness stand today, and the jury must decide what he knew and when did he know it. I see no circumstance where the use of that word is appropriate. That is former police chief Elliot Isaac in January of 2019 after two of his officers used the N-word while on duty. Officer Hill to another black man as he broke up a fight at a Westwood home in September 2018. I told you to walk off, didn't I? That alcohol got you here acting stupid. And Officer Barnett used the N-word referring to an African-American woman he restrained during her arrest outside a nightclub in Roselawn in December that same year. Isaac signed off on a written reprimand for Hill, but suspended Barnett's police powers and made him turn in his gun and badge. Isaac signed the written reprimand for Hill, but said today he often relies on his command staff, who also signed the document, to make judgment calls on discipline. An attorney for the two officers said the reprimand involved a serious issue and the chief should have examined the document more closely before he signed it. Isaac testified that at the time he did not know that Hill was black and he did not see the body camera footage. When asked specifically if former assistant chief Paul Newdigate personally handed Isaac the Hill reprimand describing how Hill used the N-word, Isaac said, quote, he did not walk into my office and hand it to me, and it didn't happen. 
It wasn't until after Isaac reviewed the body camera video that he reopened Hill's case and referred it to the department's internal investigations unit. Isaac said he reopened Hill's already closed disciplinary case due to new information and, quote, the egregiousness of the violation and to allow the investigation and the disciplinary process to move forward. Uh, two officers asking for uh, monetary damages, $5,000 to help pay their legal expenses, and their attorney uh, did not outline uh, an amount for punitive damages and also for emotional distress. He says he'll leave that up to the jury to decide uh, how much these officers should receive. Reporting live downtown, Mike Shell, Fox 19 Now. When you think about it, hiring is an exercise in predicting the future. You're picturing the outcome you want, and you're finding out if the person you want will be able to create that future with you. You've got their resume, you talk to people who've worked with them, and you interview them, ask them their biggest weakness. And there are those intangibles, that little voice that you realize later that you should have listened to. All that looms even larger when you're filling the top job at an organization, the chief executive. At stake is the future of the organization, a future that affects so many people. The perfect rendezvous of skill set and leadership is elusive. Today's guest has been reverse engineering the performances of CEOs and has found some surprising correlations between their personal behavior before they were hired and their professional record after they were hired. So much so that you may have never thought to look at these attributes. In fact, many boards don't. Aisha Day is an associate professor at Harvard Business School, and she wrote the HBR article, When Hiring CEOs Focus on Character. Aisha, so excited to talk to you. Thank you, Gert. Thank you for having me. So how did you get interested in studying this? So, you know, the, the roots of this go way back to my um, dissertation. Um, uh, corporate governance was always of interest to me. And, uh, and, and right then we had the big scandals of Enron and WorldCom and, and other, some um, other companies. And then we had the Sarbanes-Oxley Act that Congress introduced with a host of systemic fixes that will prevent fraud. But, you know, we had all these controls, but then we have a layer of scandals again, and then we have more regulation and more fixes. And, and it got me and my colleagues to think that, are we missing something here? I mean, it's not to say that structural fixes aren't important. They absolutely are. But they are not perhaps the full solution. So what are we missing? Is there something else? And can we can we go into the psychology of the person a little bit and see what about them matters? I mean, we, maybe we all understand, yes, people matter. We need to consider uh, that. But what about them do we consider? What do we look for? What is, though, the customary way that corporate boards and executive committees go about hiring a CEO? What's their, what's their MO? Companies probably first identify what is it that we want to do and who is the best person to get us there. Like if you want to really grow, you want someone who's been successful in growing a firm and expanding. So you probably look at uh, performance, et cetera, and through potentially a search committee or a selection committee, which is the norm, I think, in most companies, based on uh, conversations with different executives and board members, they probably are not looking at off-the-job behaviors particularly when someone has been promoted from within. Mm. Traditionally in academics, we always believed for decades 
that factors such as industry factors, firm factors, countrywide factors, basically determine how a person is going to act. So if you want an executive to behave a certain way, give him or her a certain level of incentives and they will respond to it. And the idea is everyone will behave the same to a certain level of incentives given to the person. It's that assumption. There have been several scholars that have said, well, individual human behavior, like, you know, Hambrick and Mason is a very popular study that first said that um, they, they called it the upper echelons theory. And they said managers experience values, cognitive styles deeply impact their behaviors in organizations. And the idea being not everybody will behave the same to the level of incentives and these other factors that are presented to them. So individual characteristics matter. That sounds, when you say it, so obvious, right? But that's not really, there isn't a way to kind of qualify that in the, in the whole hiring process. Right. And, and I think one of the challenges is, okay, we, even if we believe in theory and, and now, you know, data has shown it, is that, you know, individual preferences or character matters, how do we measure it? How do we know these are such intangible, unobservable traits how do we even know what a person is? I mean, in an interview, you have their CV, you've seen what they've done, in, at least in their professional life. They are at their best. Be I mean, how do you know what is deep within a person? So I think one of the challenges is just measurement. Like, how do Calkin boards tell? Like, if, if you think about big frauds that have happened ex post, yes, you can say, oh, God, that was a red flag, I can see. But that's too late. Like, uh, you know, one of our goals was, is there any way we can identify symptoms that could be red flags before anything happened? Like, that that's the prevent the millions of dollars of losses that uh, various stakeholders and the economy might face after the fact. So how did you figure out a research way to sort out mm -hmm you know, these individual differences that might be meaningful? Uh, so, so the first thing we wanted to do is we wanted to, given that we want to look at individual personality traits or characteristics, we wanted to go away from the firm. If you want to really get to the person, let's look what they do off the job when there's no incentives, no constraints. They, can, they act who they are in most cases, right? And, and so let's focus on that. Yeah. And then we wanted to, well, look at, well, let's examine uh, literatures. Like, what are some of the key fundamental traits of, of human beings that sh that come out as symptoms in their personal outside behavior? So you looked at white-collar criminals to for clues here of things to look for. You know, first, we just looked at psychology and criminology, and we read a, a lot of things. And just this criminology literature suggested the existence of breaking the law. Uh, the idea of when you break the law, what it's is an external symptom, the, the underlying construct of this external symptom of breaking the law is that you have low self-control and you have a disregard for rules, laws, norms. You feel they don't apply to you and you're willing to do what you want to do regardless of existing norms or rules. So that's the underlying construct. And the way it shows itself, the external symptoms are you know, you're arrested for just legal records, legal infractions. So we said, well, if that's the case, let's look at executives with legal infractions in their personal life, which 
are potential symptoms of this underlying notion of lack of self-control and disregard for norms and rules. So this can range from a speeding ticket, like a driving infraction, to physical, yeah, sexual, sexual assault. assault. DUI, yeah, like anything in their personal life. and Murder, bank robberies. Well, in our sample of CEOs, we don't really have bank robbers and axe murderers. But surprisingly, we have a lot of some of the other severe, um, you know, th- there's um, domestic violence, sexual assault. Mm. There's a lot of such types of more severe infractions uh, in addition to speeding tickets. Hmm. And do those sorts of things come up in background checks? but people get hired anyway? That's the thing. The this interesting thing first was like, wow, we, there are actually CEOs with this in their backgrounds. So they hmm. somehow, I mean, it was in our sample, about 1,000 CEOs, about 20% had such infractions. So 20% of the CEOs somehow were, were not prevented from, from that position given their background. Either they were not checked or it didn't matter. Of course, at first, we were like, well, these minor infections, do we care? Like speeding ticket, most people have them. Um, But then, you know, there were influential researchers like economists uh, uh, Ray Fisman and Edward Miguel. Uh, One of the things they found is that if you, uh, for a UN convention in New York, the number of parking tickets were highly correlated. Whoever got those parking tickets were correlated with the corruption back in their home country. One conclusion of that is, you know, even minor legal violations or infractions are correlated with some bigger corruption or or, or bigger issues. So so that made us think that, well, we shouldn't rule out minor. And and yeah, intuitively, it shouldn't matter. But then let the data tell us that. Yeah. Wasn't there some research where executives with speeding tickets sometimes had better financial performance? It was a sign of of risk-taking that often paid off? I'm not. I, I don't recall. In our study, we checked for it. We actually don't find. We do find an upside for our other character measure, which uh, I can talk about in a bit. Materialism, but for this, we actually don't find higher upsides necessarily for the. And and we control for risk taking and a host of other characteristics. You see, we're not capturing risk taking. We're capturing this other construct, um, hopefully. It's, it's, of course, I should note, these are empirical proxies. Of course, they're noisy. But on average, the hope is we capture um, the construct we're after. We did a match sample of fraud versus non-fraud firms. And interestingly, we found even for the CEOs of fraud firms had like significantly higher speeding tickets versus CEOs of non-fraud firms. Was your study limited to the U.S.? Yes, just a, a partly because of the data. Sure. So this can vary a lot by, by country and, and what you're able to find out, right? But It yeah. could. Like, to the extent human nature is the same everywhere, uh, I mean, one notion is we would probably see similar effects in other countries. But then again, other environmental institutional differences can come in. And so, so of course, it would have to be studied. But I do think there are some international studies that have looked at uh, criminal records and, and behavior, and they found similar conclusions. So it seems to hold internationally as well. So staying with um, criminal infractions here, speeding tickets, especially if you have a lot of them, had a strong yeah. correlation with, with um, corporate fraud. Corporate fraud, earnings manipulation. Yeah, and which was initially surprising that, oh, wow, even spe- speeding tickets give you an effect. But then again, this goes back to the theory and what Fisman and Miguel found that even small infractions 
are symptoms of a bigger thing, that underlying idea is, I don't think rules and laws apply to me. I'm going to do what I want to do, and it doesn't matter what restrictions are in my way. I'm going to ignore them. I think that's the construct, and it interestingly displays itself even in minor infractions. What about more serious infractions? Yeah, in fact, um, on the uh, so so after we looked at the fraud outcomes, we even looked at insider trading because that's a more fraud is relatively rare. Uh, let's face it, maybe one to two percent of all public companies are, are you know in, in engaged in fraud. Right. But something like insider trading is much more widespread. That insider trading that we measured is not necessarily illegal, but the way that uh, if certain executives are consistently you know, benefiting or doing really well compared to others, it could be, one could argue that they have benefited from private material information. But uh, so just to note that this is not necessarily illegal, it could be, but we can determine at least. Yeah, but just kind of suspiciously, it may not rise to the level of uh, the SEC going after these executives. But to the point of your research, it it indicated that there's potentially some... Exactly. Yeah, potentially. Interesting thing in that research is we went on to ask, well, okay, so now at the basis of a couple of uh, projects, we have we see that, you know, those with criminal infractions in their off-the-job, in their personal life, seem to be correlated with these kinds of acts on the job as well. What about the structural governance systems? Can they prevent this kind of behavior? Can they discipline these executives? And what we found is that good structural governance can discipline minor record holders, the speeding tickets, but the severe ones will were making the profits anyway, despite those. So that was uh, potentially alarming, uh, I, I, I guess, to regulators and boards that, well, it only goes so far. Only goes so far. Only say that when it is white-collar crime, white evildoers. Context of white supremacy, Gusty Renegade, worthless Negro from Virginia. In for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 22, 2022. So I have been told this is our weekly summit neutralizing workplace racism uh, if you have thoughts observations suggestions certainly if you you have figured out some codification these are things to do in your work environment minimize your problems difficulties they don't jip you out of your benefits so-called in the workplace everything that you're supposed to get you get if it's a Starbucks gift card, uh, a $2 gift card to Target, everything you are supposed to get down to the last nickel, you get it. They don't have to come back and do some sort of raggedy investigation 50 years later. Oh, my Lord, we uh, you were supposed to have gotten a $10,000 bonus. Uh, and by the time we put the interest on all that, it seems like we might owe you about a million dollars. They don't do any of that sort of tackiness. And you have been dead for about 20 years, so maybe your grandchild gets it or something like that. Nah. You get 
sparkling performance reviews every time you get all of your raises you are compensated correctly you are a valued member of your organization and you are reminded of that not every time you come in and they have lame employee appreciation day with tacky streamers and party favors every time I get my check my direct deposit stub oh yes yes I'm valued yes if that's you dial in let us know how did you accomplish this you don't have to wade through racist jokes every day if you get a new vehicle or a new bike they don't come and tease and mock you and try and sabotage whatever this new item is ah, nah, nah, nah. let us know how you did that the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate the number again, 720-716-7300. The code, 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email untiljustice at gmail.com untiljustice at gmail.com we will share your commentary again uh, begging any listeners so if you hear this live and you work you can reflect on your workplace if you're listening to the archive you can send an email doesn't have to be lengthy but let us know COVID-19 in your workplace is that old news we have moved on you are talking you know it's like you're talking to us about a pager or something like get with it man like that is we're not on no rona we're not wearing masks and distancing or are they still you know taking precautions what have you what is happening in your workplace because that is you know depending on where you are could be a wacky situation let us know what you're doing specifically to manage all of this if anything in addition to all the other concerns in the workplace uh, uh, the news segments that we heard before we get to folks who wrote in and or call in called in uh, the first two segments both about the armed services now the first segment they talked about the uh, big conference uh, black veterans getting together to talk about their experience of racism uh, and then to make this better for future generations and to get what they are owed. Now, we have heard about this from a number of folks, uh, Irie and other people, uh, talking about different ways where they were deprived of maximizing their service to the United States government system of white supremacy racism. Lots of folks have talked about this for like generations and I mean they said in that report from NPR they said that it looks like this goes back all the way to World War II Jackie Robinson where you have black veterans and that would probably be 
disproportionately black male. So that's another heaping dollop of black male privilege. Uh, but they, they said all the way back to World War II, black males who did not get black veterans who did not get all of the benefits that they were due. That would include not just Jackie Robinson, uh, Geronimo Pratt. That would include Neely Fuller Jr. Geronimo Pratt is Vietnam, but still that would include Neely Fuller Jr. Korean War veteran. What in the world? Like he served two tours. How many generations of black people is that? Went over here, did all this, could have died. Mr. Fuller talked about he uh, was serving and they notified him like, oh, man, your your mother may pass away. So, you know, they put you on a flight immediately so you can go be there for their last few minutes or what have you. And he hops on a bus trying to get back to good old Oklahoma. And he says the race soldier bus driver says, uh, Nick, get to the back of the same thing. We tell it back of the bus, bottom of the boat. Says, I'm in Uncle Sam's army. I got my slacks on, my uniform and everything, you know, ribbons on my chest and everything. I'm a soldier and I'm just trying to get home last few seconds while my mother is alive. Nigger, I said, get to the back of the bus. That's the sort of thing. Keep in mind, not only because we were just a few weeks ago talking about, hey, military, that could be a career choice, right? Absolutely. They do all that recruiting and come loitering your high school. And hey, Sonny, what are you going to do? Hey, ma'am, come join. You could be Air Force. You want to learn all that and blah, 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 and get money for car, right? Could be a career choice. This is something you should consider. This is exactly what we talked about. Like, hey, now, if you are one of those folks that, hey, my body, my choice, you are not sticking the Rona vaccine and all that. Well, then, hey, you can go ahead and cross that off because if you join armed services, hey, your body not is not even your body anymore. You're enlisted. So we do what we want with our body. That means you're going to take the shot. Shut up about it. We talked about all that. That would also include racism white supremacy now that might mean a whole lot of things now let me think about what could my experience be because it could be a whole lot of things beyond just dang i could have got how many thousands of dollars of a signing bonus and they just conveniently forgot wink wink to tell me dang or could be lavina johnson could be a lot of different ways that white supremacy racism is manifest. So that is for sure. Now I had never heard of the Black Veterans Empowerment Council. But that might like if you can find their website or what have you, if you have relatives, uh friends, whatever it is, if they've served, talk to them in detail. And I mean, hey, give me the lowdown. So what's it like being a Negra in the military? And have them explain it to you. 
Am I going to be with Joseph Christopher? Because they talked about my Lord. Did you hear that? They talked about uh, James Harrison. We talked about that before. I didn't know. I remember James Harrison, uh, James Harris Jackson, the white uh, race soldier, went to New York with a machete sword, killing black people. I brought him up with Joseph G. Christopher. I didn't know he was in the army. We would have been talking about him way more during the 22 caliber killings. And that's another one when they talked about uh, James Harris Jackson going to New York to kill black people immediately like oh man haven't we seen this before Midtown Slasher they didn't do that then either anyway but it would be lots of components to that discussion who are going to be the other folks in your platoon all of that to discuss like man is this a career move is this going to be worth it hmm hmm lots to process now they came the very next report right in the marines we finally after i think it was like 270 some years been almost three centuries and finally we found a negro that we will go ahead and promote allow them say that they are uh qualified enough to be a general or whatever the case may be man oh man I would not even want to imagine just the sort of commentary uh, that I don't know what you call the folks in the Marines, but these are like Chris Kyle, these type of folks, what they would be saying with this fella, four star general in charge, like what Michael Lieutenant General Michael E. Langley, like what, what, (sighs) particularly remember they had all those reports. Uh, during the Obama years talking about how uh, some of the more explicit crude white supremacist organizations they were encouraging young white race soldiers yeah those recruits come to your neighborhood or high school yeah join that way you can learn get all of the ballistics explosives arms training that you can on Uncle Sam's dime and then you come back and share with your white brothers and sisters. That was widespread. So, I mean, if that sort of sentiment is continuing, no reason to think it hasn't. And, oh, my Lord, I got to serve under Negro Lieutenant General Michael Lang. Like, what? Oh, oh. I could only imagine. I'm sure uh, the late Colin Powell heard the same sort of thing. Uh, let's see the next report we heard in Cincinnati there this one I thought was somewhat fascinating even with the video I had to kind of watch it and they even had an update since but the report Cincinnati Ohio they were talking about uh, racism so-called reverse discrimination in the police department they picked out two separate officers Dante Hill black male Dennis Barnett, white man. Now they said both of these officers were recorded using the N-word, nigra, while on duty. And they gave the different situations. Uh, Hill, black male, he's breaking up a fight or whatever. Alcohol has got you nigras out here acting crazy. Sobriety would be best. So then uh, Officer Barnett, the white male, 
he says, uh, oh, you know, he's going to break up a fight. Uh, and the Negro hit him in the face or struck him in the face or whatever it was. I don't think it is professional to be using that sort of language like period. But I mean reverse racism because the white man got a serious reprimand and the black male got a hey, you shouldn't do that now. Hey, I mean, if you want to be serious about it, everybody, because I, in my view, that black male would not have said that he would uh, Dante Hill. He would not if it had been a group of white people. And I mean, hey. You're going to tell me you don't see groups of white people out drinking in public, even underage white people out drinking in public. If Officer Hill had went to approach uh, a, a gang of intoxicated whites of any age group, I don't think he would have yelled at them. See that, you know, alcohol or those wine spritzers got you crackers out here acting stupid. I don't think he would have said that. I'm one of those. Hey, justice all the way. Don't come over here calling yourself police and talk to us. You niggas is out here doing And then when you go over to sir, ma'am, you seem to be a little intoxicated. We do have laws about being intoxicated in public. If that's the way that you're going to talk in the white to the white people, that's the way that you talk to the non-white people. It should not be wildly different demeanor and convert even if you know it. and really I'd say especially if you know these black people like really that's the reason that you wanted to be a police officer to go yell and call black people niggers I don't care if they are doing something wrong take them to jail again like I said I don't think you talk to white people that sort of way if they're engaged in the same behavior now the white man, I mean, I don't even have to think about that. You are a white man. We are not trying to have any more Mark GED Furman's where this sort of language is acceptable in the workplace, especially from an enforcement officer. The same P word I just used, not police, professional. Got the body cams and everything. We are not trying to have anybody. Negro. <laughs> These are citizens. If you're arresting somebody, lock them up, do it professionally. Let's go do it safely. There's no reason to be sitting around nigger this and nigger that, nigger hitting me and you niggas out here being dumb and blah, blah, blah. Professional. Now, if they say, hey, black people, you know, this black person maybe uses this sort of language or whatever. I am all for professional. You're not on your free time. I've said that for years at the cows. Not supposed to be using that sort of language in the workplace, even if you work exclusively with people classified as black you're on the job be professional I mean it would have to be you work at the bunny ranch you work at like a you know comedy club <laughs> a la Gus T uh, way back when and that's you know everybody talks like that all day long got it Kevin Hart is here and all that so that's just what we do got it Chris Tucker and just insults and filth Lauren filth all day long got it And but I mean unless that's your environment if you are a professional you have to do reports they have cameras recording you might have to go to court and testify about what you said you do not want to have to be in court so I'm going to use one of the officer Hill uh, at 
let's see, this is at about the 14-minute mark of the recording. You, What term did you use to describe the crowd? Uh, well, colloquially, uh, we in the black community, uh, uh, I think yesterday the word we used was hemming and hawing. You do not want to have to be hemming and hawing and explaining and hoping. Ooh, I hope I don't get in trouble for that. Professional. Now, I said there was an update. So they did all this. The white man said, hey, this is reverse discrimination. You know, you punished me all hard and let this nigger get off all easy. He did the same thing that I did, man. They took this to court. What happened? Given this is from Fox 19 now. Today, hopelessly deadlocked mistrial in Cincinnati officers racial discrimination case. A jury could not decide Friday whether the city of Cincinnati and now former police chief intentionally discriminated against two officers based on their race when the officer said the same racial slur on duty but received very different discipline. When the jury hopelessly deadlocked U.S. District Court Judge Susan Diot declared a mistrial and the case is scheduled for a second trial for August 16. So we'll have to pay attention, especially folks in Cincinnati for workplace racism. Now, I don't know, folks, you can give me your thoughts on that. Like I said, now, if this was, you know, the club or something else, I'd maybe feel different. But I mean, hey, I'm for punishing anybody, uh, especially 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 bold face print you're an enforcement officer you work at the courthouse fire department anything like that you're a public servant you should not be talking that way period i am not i do not think that's anything to celebrate uh that if you are a black person a non-white person that you can be anti-black with black citizens in the workplace while on duty and you will get less harsh punishment I do not think that that is acceptable. That's the sort of thing that we should be trying to get rid of to begin with. Don't want to see any black person fired, but I mean, really, I would be discussed under any circumstances, a black police officer, firefighter, court court, court clerk, any sort of civil servant called me a nigger, even if I was in the wrong man. Gus T would be writing a report like are you serious where is your black self respect at if I was white if I was classified as white you'd be calling me a cracker right now or whatever you know I don't even know what's comparable but same thing I said before about black black behind like okay if it's gonna be get your black behind your drunk black behind out of here okay now if I'm white is that's the way you're gonna talk to me if the answer is no then nah reprimand Dante Hill too black brother uh, let's see. I didn't get to. Did I miss one? Oh, the vets. Uh, the visas, not vets. Visas. I talked about the vets. The visas. Uh, they talked about the folks from Global South, and they had these conferences and what have you about climate change or whatever it is. And then the non-white people are not allowed access. Lots of ways that that works out. Either they don't have the expenses, or white people deny them entry. You're coming from someplace with the Rona, black. Get back. Get on out of here. And it's not like they haven't thought about all this in advance that just shows the priority about who they are really interested in attending these sorts of activities last comment and then we'll go ahead and get to the folks who dialed in we heard the report from Harvard uh, Business Review uh, HBR cast 
where they talked about red flags uh, for hiring, particularly uh, CEOs and other employees in general, I would add, uh, with uh, Aisha Day. I believe that's a non-white female. Uh, I thought that was significant because they talked about even going into like personal behavior with uh, traffic tickets and what have you and saying that sometimes one's personal behavior, personal conduct can be a more active in terms of predictive uh, window through which to view behavior and to try to predict future behavior because their personal life, they're unrestrained. They don't have any corporate rules or what have you uh, to try to follow anyone to impress. So, you know, what what's their conduct when they're unhinged, so to speak? No prohibition inhibitions. And if it's, hey, I'm speeding and doing all this and parking wherever I want to and all that, like, oh, okay, rules do not apply. Now, I would say this, I would think, would apply especially to white people. I think it is much more difficult, the system in which we live, for black people to behave like that as though rules don't apply. It's more likely to be the sort of thing that we heard the black doctor who said 55 miles per hour means you black boy that's more what you're going to see it's going to be more white people park where I want to drive how fast I want to leave when I want to come in when I want to that's more going to be white people Yeah, wear a mask if I feel like it get vaccinated if I feel like it we heard that with the San Diego police officers that's more of a white person thing I thought all of that was important because I think Peyton Gendry we talked about all these white killers uh, I think we non-white people miss a lot of these so-called red flags, maybe call them white flags uh, from white coworkers, even non-white coworkers, people that we're around. Uh, the, when, when you have people like uh, just being in a professional environment, but your behavior does not conform to that. You're in a professional environment where we've had people who say they got folks who are bringing in guns, even just bringing in, you know, publications like guns and ammo talking about guns and violence racist jokes all of these sorts of things are so called red flags this person is not showing behavior that is in alliance in accordance with we're in a workplace environment we should be about safety professionalism this person is behaving like they're at home and or the rules of the work environment do not apply to me and that is tons if not all but tons of white people that's the sort of thing pay attention to that in your workplace do not minimize that even if it's non-white people any of these sort of antics where it's like wow where you look at that like man that is not acceptable for the workplace I know I wouldn't engage in that sort of conduct in the workplace make a note and it might even be the sort of thing that needs to be reported take the example that we just talked about somebody coming in and they're talking that way as a police officer even a black police officer like I said if we let's take the situation let's take it that it is black people do drink they got all the, the St. Ives and the cold 45 and went wild July 4th month and all the rest of it. Okay. So, like, I, let's do the citations, whatever the procedure is. You know, are we doing a warning? Are we doing citations? Are we arresting? Let's get to it. But not being professional about it. Make the arrest. I understand everybody gets upset, but I mean, whoa. <laughs> As I said, we got body cameras and what have you. We're supposed to be professional. 
with our conduct. Not doing that, boop, that would stick out like, oh, okay, this person is behaving like they're not being recorded. Like nobody's going to, you know, hold them accountable for what they're saying. Nobody else heard this and might report them. They're behaving like they're not concerned about any of that. Wow. At minimum, I'm going to be careful about that. Like I know that's a white person. That's a report. That's not even anything to think about. That is a report. If you're behaving like this, who knows what else you're doing? And really, that's the way I would think about it with anybody. Like, wow, if you're showing this sort of disregard for the rules like here, bringing in guns and ammo magazines, talking about guns, violence, racist joke, long list of things. Man, what do you do when it's nobody around? What do you do when the camera is off? Red flags, so-called white flags are important. I said yesterday, I think sometimes if you're a little bit more confused about racism, white supremacy, maybe not paying attention to things, sometimes those signals can be minimized. Even my fella, Joey 22, he so much of that book is workplace racism. They got all these black people that he worked with said, man, this dude is everything I just said bringing a firearm to work now he's a security guard but he's not authorized to bring in a firearm report that they didn't even fire him not for the firearm anyway and they just continue i'm have to make i can make a whole workplace segment just from the 22 caliber killings with what his black co-workers said they said man that was just old crazy white boy we loved old crazy white boy he was just popping pills all the time what Talk about white flag. He was a security officer. What do you mean he's popping pills all the time? That's just old crazy joy. We loved old crazy joy. We just wrestled around. There's no way he could be racist. That's what they said. That's what I mean about not catching the red flag. Because it seemed like there were lots of them with Joey 22. And they didn't think, ooh. This fella definitely does not need to be working security because he is not safe. They didn't even get that far. He was just a cool old white boy. Yeah. Pill popping Joey. Anybody, any colleague doing drugs, or alcohol, that is for sure, for sure. A white flag. I cannot think of any job, even the club job. You as an employee are not supposed to be drinking, even if you're the bartender. I don't want the bartender who's drinking and gave away all the shots. Like, well, what happened to the tequila? Everybody is sloppy drunk. Sobriety would be best, especially in the workplace. My gosh. Anywho, we'll get to the emails as we proceed. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, so for sure, I'll continue to beg COVID-19 in the workplace. How are folks responding? Is it totally done? They moved on. That's old news. What do you think about this uh, workplace situation so the white man says this is reverse discrimination. Black person says nigger in the workplace. White person says nigger in the workplace. The white person is disciplined more harshly. 
what do you all think about that one again my view do not use this language in the workplace at all even if you work exclusively with black people it can be a problem at minimum it's not professional we always we being victims of white supremacy we always want to practice promote broadcast professionalism in the work environment especially with our word choice alrighty let's see uh, get to some of the folks who dialed in uh, Bay Area and some of the folks who wrote in as well uh, Bay Area mom should be with us nab other hands and get emails as we proceed um, hi, thank you for taking my call. Greetings to you and everyone on the line. Uh, COVID and, and um, the workplace for me. I, um, I, I'm in a school, so um, the kids have the option to wear or not to wear a mask. The adults the same, so it's still 50-50 with... Uh, either wearing or not wearing masks. Um, I'll continue to wear my mask towards the end of the school year. Children were getting sick. Uh, one child missed his graduation because he had COVID. So a lot of kids were catching COVID towards uh, the beginning of June. So uh, they just didn't talk about it because everybody's going to go the next week anyway. Um I think it's going to be uh, a priority um, when the season changes. It's going to be a major issue. Um, I, um, I'll continue to wear my mask. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be a floater this coming school year. I think I'll um, just be in one class. I believe, but I'm still going to wear my mask and follow um, the CDC guidelines and precautions. Um, we'll, 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 we'll see. Um, oh, the, the police officer with um, the two officers that use that um, said um said that word to um I'm sure black people. Um and one saying that it was reverse discrimination. I think it's just an excuse to me to use they just have they make up the words so they can define them however they want. So it's just an excuse to be able to do whatever you want. And then say you did it, you did it too. So that's reverse something. Um, I'm sure when the white person used it, it's in a different tone. Um, but with the black person using it, you, you know, you didn't have to use that word. You either using it because you're trying to show some kind of dominance that you can't, you're still hit. I don't know what you're using it for, but. It's totally unprofessional 
anywhere, anywhere, any of that kind of language. So that's why I appreciate that we kind of um, follow uh, policies and um, guidelines and rules for work because the officer, both officers should know better, but to be able to pull that and say, hey, that's reverse. No, because when um, Philip did it, all he got was a timeout, and I got yelled at. My name was in the um, paper, or however it went. So I'm sure when it comes back in August, he's going to win the case. Um I go for not using any of that kind of language. Just do your job and go home. What are you doing? Who, who are you to make all those kind of comments? Just do what you got to do and go go on about your business. Oh, so silly. So that's what I think about it. It, it. it it shouldn't be used at all for the black guy to use it. It's so it's so foolish. Don't 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 use it. You, you you're not doing anything constructive by using it. And now you cause such a big problem, there's a court case now. So just don't use it. And if white people want to use it or other people want to use it, let them suffer the consequences. But you don't use it. Um, I was thinking as we were going through the clip, uh, if I, um, do I feel appreciated at work or do I feel like I'm mistreated at work? And I think I always do um, feel like I'm not appreciated. I feel like I, uh, with each job or with each year, I get different um, situations that make me um, appreciate the program even more, especially work with racism part of it, because it's at least 40 hours of one's week is spent at work. And if you can kind of sit through it, it, it helps a lot. And um, so for summer school, when I had to endure that abuse from these teachers, or parents, teachers aides and head teachers, and then how just how black people are treated in general, and um the just the blatant disrespect and disregard to whatever you say and it's just do what you're told. Do what you're told. And that's that's how I felt this summer. Just do what you're told. And then resources. Because the Filipino lady had the resources to not be there. She had a husband. She can just quit. Go watch her her husband's mom do anything until school starts back. Me, I could have quit, you know, but I don't have that same coverage. So um, that that's interesting as well for black people. The stuff we have to endure sometimes as well because we don't have a lot of options. Um. Because I know I report to a BCBA, I had a different um, advantage over a regular teacher's assistant who just has to take it or go somewhere else. Um, 
I, I thought uh, the white teacher's assistant was practicing racism every day. As far as cleanliness, the Promethean board was dirty. It was filthy. I wouldn't touch it, so they kind of made it look like I was being resistant. But I wasn't touching it. I told the teacher, I asked the instructor, the Filipino instructor, how often do you clean this Promethean board? What? I said, how often do you clean this Promethean board? Oh, we're going to that on the end of the year. I got this awful dirty. So um, she'll actually do something on it. I'm not touching that board. I said, I told you, it's dirty. So she's not accustomed to using it. The teacher's assistant does all the actual work. <laughs> and that's the white lady. So all the germs are from the white. And it's full like a dog when a dog is on. The screen door and you don't clean it. It's just takes the. It's just all oh, full of germs and viruses. And the teacher assistant was also coughing all four weeks. She's cough, cough, cough. So I have to be. I keep hand sanitizer, the spray kind in my uh, apron. And um, every time I say what I do, I have to spray. And um, when the black male came in. And I did warn him that um, not only is it not tight classroom, that what he could go into, so he didn't, you know, just like oh whatever. And then as it starts happening, <laughs> he's just like yeah, you did tell me, you did tell me, you did tell me. I didn't know, I didn't know. And he's a younger guy. He must be. I like to say in his twenties, going to school for whatever, not. Education, I think it's some kind of physical therapy, but he must need this portion of it for his um, credentials. So um, the way they treated him, the way he sold, he was he, he wanted to battle his. Uh, he didn't get the concept that he was there just to assist, not battle and um, uh, question the style. Or why don't you do it like this? Or why wouldn't you do it like this? Doesn't matter why they do it. Just help them do it, even if it's going in circles. Help them go in circles for these few hours. He didn't get that, so he's challenging everything. Um, and then some things he, you know, challenges. Am I wrong? No, you're not. No, you're not wrong. Um, the way they treated him, the way they ganged up on him. Um, I deal with things a little different, so I'm not as vocal. I'll debate like. For instance, if you want me to do physical therapy with uh, somebody that's paraplegic and you want me to stand them up in the bathroom for a minute or however long, I'm going to say something about that. If you, if I need help and I ask the instructor a question and the paraeducator jumps in to answer, I might say something about that. But basically, I don't, I don't say a lot. I just do what I have to do. Um, when I went to the bathroom with the white lady, because they ran the black man off, he left, he went home. They were glad, but didn't expect it. They were, they would have been more prepared if it would have, if he just wouldn't have came in like if he could request it versus him leaving in the middle of it all. So when the black principal came in and said, uh, such and such just left. We're going to have to talk about it later. And that's how the Filipino lady dismissed the black principal. 
And that was the end of that. And um, so all the changing is on me and the white lady. So I go with her to change the uh, guy that she used the wireless. And so his seat belt, his his car seat has a lot of different um, straps and gadgets. Very complicated. Everything was complicated. Um, so I let her do it the way she do it with the Hoyer lift. You just tell me what, which way you want me to go. And then she just said, well, now I understand what was taking you guys so long. Because it turned into a big deal, I remember sharing how she was just fussing at me. The teacher came out looking for us because it was taking us so long to come back from changing this boy. And um, it was complicated just remembering how to attach this Velcro belt with this, crisscross this, buckle this. <sighs> Great new chair, uh, but it was very hard. So when she said that, I just, I just said... It's too late. It's too late now. You should have been more understanding four weeks ago. But I hear you. And um, even when I was leaving um, for the remaining of the year, the last day, the teacher said, um, I know it was hard, but uh, you, we stuck together. We worked through it. And, you know, I appreciate everything you did. I said, oh, well. Yeah, it was hard. Thanks for acknowledging that it was hard because it was hard. And um, that was it. So come August, something's going to happen because of every paraeducator or anyone that has ever been in that classroom had a story that was ignored. This summer, I was able to highlight it because I went through the BCBA. Um, I think it's unprofessional, very tacky and trifling for anyone that's coming in assisting you with children to be treated like that on the spot, whole full-fledged arguments in class, and then the kids don't matter. So you can just have these kind of conversations and argue and fling your hand like, oh, be quiet, as, it, as if you're not in a classroom setting. So we'll see what happens. Um. In August, I won't be there, but I'm sure I'll uh, get some kind of information. And um, I'll keep in mind all the things as far as moving forward with this other class, since I'll be stationed in one class, just to do what I have to do, be more observant and not as vocal, just only say what's necessary. Um, and um, keep it professional myself and not get into any... Uh, unnecessary uh, conversations about other people. And, um, oh, Alameda. So for the rest of the summer, I'm going to go to this school in Alameda until school starts um, in my district. And uh, I'm going to go to the beach. So I'm going to use this as an excuse to go to the beach in Alameda. And that's going to be great for me. And yay, Alameda. Okay. So I'm in my line, and thank you for taking my call. I love it. I love it. Hit the beach. Can't be in California and not get to the beach frequently, really. Like, uh, yeah, so do it up. Take some pictures. Have a blast. Hopefully you can even take some fruit. 
uh, maybe some fresh figs or I don't know whatever's it's like the best time at the farmers market yellow watermelon if you can find it cherries like uh, yeah get some fresh fruit and, and go out and do it up you earned it all the craziness that you've had to endure uh, in the workplace and beyond um, masters so you can get out of that environment uh, administrative so you can be like a superintendent or something anyway um, I think that is uh, excellent code for everybody uh, we got from Bay Area mom in terms of only saying what's necessary in the work environment I think so many of us get into trouble talking 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 not even talking about things on the job we're just talking 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 giving our views and volunteering our opinion on this and all the rest of it man only say what is necessary that's it you can learn a lot more listening even sometimes they call it a ear hustling they might not even be talking to you but you're just hearing other things that are happening being said in the office place and learning but not doing a whole lot of chatting I think she said uh, Bay Area mom she was talking about the black fellow that works there uh, and how she talked about him before challenging this and this is not the right way and you know I've been trained here and I went to school here and we talked nobody cares what your expertise is you know you could have graduated first in your class at Harvard you know five different times you know, got five different doctorates nobody cares you're a nigra even if it's other black people frequently it's just all those arguments and challenging this and all that where she said hey sometimes it's that's what I'm paid to do they're going around in circles I'm just helping them go around in circles I'm not hey, I thought we were supposed to be doing something hey they want to go around in circles that's what we're doing today I'm not here to correct them and change this up and all the rest of it and I mean that sucks if you are an educator because I mean hey we could be doing more and helping these children but hey I'm not in charge going in circles what a metaphor for teaching children but hey going in circles that's what we're doing professional she said that too watching what I say and just being professional I would also like I'm not trying to have big public uh, disputes and things if you gotta question something let's do this in private especially in a school situation like man but let's do this in private everybody has an ego and what have you see if we can you know minimize some of the the tendency for things to get really ugly and nasty and personal uh in all of this um let's see the she said about the COVID 19 she said she still wears her mask uh and what have you just because it's so chaotic in the work environment and then being around so many different folks uh, and even going to different institutions uh, from time to time uh, let's see the uh, oh she gave her vote she says she she thinks with the reverse so-called reverse discrimination uh, with the police officers that the second time around next month the white officer will prevail even though she's told again 
professional. We shouldn't be talking that way. Uh, nigger this and nigger that in a work environment, even if it's black people talking to other black people, let's be professional. We don't talk that way to white people. Um, let's see. Said so they got her on the shut up and teach. I don't want to hear anything. Just shut up, be quiet, and teach. Do what we say like that. That's most, if not all, of the work environments. This is not about we want to hear your opinion and all the rest of it. Shut up and do what we say. We'll do the thinking and, you know, don't come in here chatter unless we ask to hear what you have to say about something. Very, very common. Uh, she even said the not appreciated, which is, you know, also very common. Uh, I think most non-white people in a work environment do not feel like they are appreciated, valued, like, hey, you make things easier better at it in fact even i think rob also in california he said the one fella did say hey things do work better when you're around here you do make it easier that was not followed by a raise two dollar gift card to target nothing went to sabotage his bike after that i think bay area mom she even said her son like man he's working at the sandwich place now man you are dependable not calling out you know come in trying to steal all the pickles oh can i get a raise oh uh oh no but a raise mm. go and grab an extra draw of pickles and uh we'll, we'll we'll think about it we'll think about it raise i don't know standard operating procedure uh the number again is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate see some of the other folks who dialed in with a hand up uh, if you have commentary to share Proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Thank you, Gus, for taking my call, and good afternoon, everyone on the line. <clears throat> I want to first say I totally agree with Barry and Mom about uh, keeping your um, conversation uh, restricted to the job. I believe I said here in the program before that. I believe I was set up to say or give my opinion about a political stance on the job, and that um, didn't work out well for me and hasn't worked out well for me. So I do second that opinion. Um, your question about COVID-19 COVID protocols on the job, the white people are not following the protocols here. Um, I see a lot of white people, especially white women, walking around with the mask on their side of their faces, um, hanging off of their face, um, on their elbows. And in the office, they are definitely not wearing the mask properly. And we, at this office, we do have um, mask mandates to wear a mask um, as long as you're in the building. But that is not being observed by the white people. Um, for non-white people, I do see a lot more non-white people wearing their mask, um, but there are those who are, are also not wearing their mask, I believe. Uh, 
I see you uh, around the office. Um, The report about the veterans um, dating back to World War II, my uh, grandfather was a World War II veteran, and um, he passed away um, some years ago when I was two, so... um, I think I'll have to replay this broadcast and get that information so I could check that website out and see if um possibly if uh we can still utilize his um his benefits, you know, now. Um to report um what's happening on the job. Um today I was um utilizing the facilities. And a non-white person came in the restroom and um, uh, asked me uh, about uh, uh, a certain political stance here at the office. And I told him that, well, I'm not too, you know, into talking about politics here at the workplace. Unfortunately, this is a older non-white black male who looks like he suffers from a lot of medical issues. He got, I mean, offended. Um, by by that statement, and he, um, I guess, wanted to inform me that, hey, uh, you know, we should talk about this on the workplace because, you know, this is where a lot of our time is spent and, you know, things of that sort. And I was like, oh, um, okay, uh, yeah, uh, I just don't want to talk about that. That's just me. I mean, maybe someone else could, you know, talk about that kind of stuff. I just don't talk about it here in the workplace, but he was quite offended. So um, I kind of like laughed it off and kind of walked, you know, away. Um, yeah. Um, it's it's hard dealing with non-white black people who are confused. It's definitely very, very hard. Yeah. Um, uh, that'll be it for now, Gus, but Thank you so much for the program. I'm learning a great deal. Black brother, like brother to hell. Context of white supremacy. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, so we got a COVID update. Said the white people are not following the protocols. COVID, COVID, that's old news. We moved on. Not surprised. Heard lots of that uh, all over the country, all over the world, really. Um, Second, for the no unnecessary chit chat in the workplace um, with white people or non-white people, really. I mean, we're at work. We should be focused, disciplined. This is not, you know, just jibber jabber time about whatever, you know, is happening in your uh, life. Uh, Now, that's fascinating. He said that this fella came in and, and got upset you know like hey man black brother uh what do you think you know about whatever i don't know whatever the the situation is i said oh no man i don't you know i don't talk about politics on the job what what we mean black brother we need to talk about this sort of thing man this is serious oh okay well you know that's great and all i don't uh yeah i just don't talk about that sort of thing in the world oh my lord that's Sex, sort of reason we have these sort of problems, blah blah blah. Hmm. I now that you could go in the question lane. Now that one, it would depend. Now if this person is really, you know, getting lathered up, 
they're upset we supposed to be black brothers and that's what I say about you black brothers we supposed to sit around and talk and can't even share nothing you gonna come in here and be an all mute and everything bet if I want to talk about uh, the finals and everything I bet you want to talk about that wouldn't you well no I got a code about that too here we like <laughs> now if it's that no, I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm going to just be quiet. And well, it's been good talking to you and uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk soon. Now, if they're calm, if they ask, well, wow, Brother Gus, why don't you talk about this sort of thing in the workplace? And I can say, well, you know, hey, never know who's listening. Look around. Never know if we're being recorded. Look around. Everybody here can't have the same political view, can they? That one you can look around or not, but I mean, really, even if I'm with all black people, we all can't have the same view, can we? Hmm. Just seen some times where even some other white people have got in trouble talking about politics in the workplace. So, you know, just try and keep things amicable, talk about things that are related to the job. They don't give me a salary to come in and give hot takes on the, you know, political brouhaha of the week or, you know, whatever the latest controversy is. Like, oh, okay, I see, I see. And I might even ask if they're really like we gotta talk, like what's what's gonna be the result? So we go, we talk about, you know, whatever. Donald Trump, the best years of Obama, whatever. We go and we talk about this. What's going to be the result? What do you think is going to be constructive after we talk about all this? And let them explain it to me and see, you know, has any record of this happening before? Like us talking about this sort of thing in the workplace, this has done what you say you know it, it solved a problem we got a raise or an extra day off or whatever whatever is supposed to happen you think as a result of all of this and see what they say and I would also keep in mind someone saying this a non-white person insisting they come up to you hey black brother what it is how you doing blah blah can I ask real quick sir do you have like a rapport with this person like do you all kick it he brings you a fresh batch of okra from time to time you all go out and have a a water and get a get a quick hike in on a lunch break do you all have any sort of rapport or is this like a total stranger who just came up black brother what do you think about uh what's happening down in indiana with the shooting I don't know if we missed him or not. Is it? Is it? Did we? Uh, did we lose you, sir? The caller at two two six two. To get that really quick, too late to get that one. About. Uh, do you have a rapport with this person? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I'm like went back in the office. <laughs> Um, and what was your question? One more time. The person who was trying to strike up this conversation and get you to talk about politics and what have you, do you have a rapport with them or is this kind of a stranger? Like you all really don't normally have a lot to, to talk about in the workplace. 
Uh, yes, you're correct about that. This person is pretty much just a, a co-worker that I see from time to time. Uh, it's not like we have a consistent interaction all the time. Um, we have spoken before about other political things uh, outside of the office, like walking around, but we've never really sat down and had a long, hour-long discussion about pretty much anything. It mostly comes down to um, I'm just sitting, listening to him, just because this is the older uh, black male, so I'm just pretty much listening to what he has to say and just kind of just post to, I guess, agree. That's why I'm, I'm guessing he was looking for a consensus about a topic, and I just didn't want to talk about it. So I guess that's what it came down to. Hmm. Yeah, now, could just be a confused victim. Sorry for making you, you know, <laughs> maybe get in trouble on the plantation, sir. Thank you for the, the <laughs> no, update. I just have to run away from white people. <laughs> don't we all don't we all man um <laughs> but yet see that sort of thing where if we don't really have like a rapport we don't chop it up or what have you we don't hang out after hours or what have you he could just be a confused victim of racism lots of those in the world nothing nefarious mm-hmm. just confused and you know hey brother let's chop it up but see he said seeming like he wanted consensus about all this you don't even know what my view is and again even if I do have consensus, let's take it that way. I agree with everything you said, black brother. Couldn't say it better myself. What did I just say? <laughs> I don't know who's listening. I don't know if we're mm-hmm. being recorded. Exactly. Everybody, even if we work with exclusively black people and all of them have eight grandparents, all of them great grandparents and all all of them were born in the U.S. classified as black. Even if that's the case, I am sure all of them are not going to have the exact same opinion as this fellow on every topic. So, I just don't talk about this sort of thing in the workplace. Let's think, keep things courteous, hospitable, no need to have people giving me the stank eye. You what? What type of coon is you? I didn't know that's how you thought of it. And I, I mean, it's good. It's bound to happen. If we keep talking about this long enough, it's going to come up. So even let's say I agree with everything that you got to say on that one. I just don't discuss politics in the workplace. And the fact that this upset him, like what? You know, that just further. See, that's why I don't discuss politics in the workplace. Now, I started off saying, hey, he could just be confused and want to chat it up, whatever he you or at least you listened to him talking before, which many people love. I can just talk, 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 talk. And he's not interrupting and cutting me off to get his point in. Oh, this is the best colored boy ever. Now, that could be or sometimes victims do get that as an assignment. Go around, talk to the black people see what they think make sure we don't have any radical negroes here that we need to keep tabs on that happens too sometimes so either way correct response i don't discuss politics on the job what what you my a spoon coon we've been friends and blah 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 we go back like lawn chairs and blah 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 mm-hmm. i don't discuss politics on the job And then that's all they can go back and say, man, I tried that coon, man. He just don't discuss politics on the job. Don't discuss politics. That's all he would say. Got to watch that boy. Indeed. 
indeed which you're gonna do anyway so uh but yeah that dealing with the victims that is a major part of codification in the workplace not just race soldiers white men white women other non-white people most of the time gonna be super confused gotta deal with them too we've had folks write in calling about them so yes code has to be expansive so we don't end up getting frustrated with them or end up having problems because of another non-white person number again 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate let's see uh, oh yes sir I just want to add a, a, like a personal accomplishment of mine. Um, I've been uh, just, uh, ex- uh, taking your advice about the changing the diet to more of a plant-based. And I just want to say I lost about 40 pounds. And it does feel better. And I look better in clothes. So I just wanted to add that part. But thank you. Wow. Stunting on them for the summer. I love it. Jeez, 40 pounds. That's uh man doing it right that's just in time like go out to the, I just said go out to the beach man take my shirt off and flex on them like what eat my can what did I say go to the fruit uh, farmer's market get that fruit plant based diet put those potato chips and all that everything that they come out with when it's employee appreciation day and they do cheese pizza and uh, candy they love all the chocolates and donuts oh god donut day and all that other nonsense do not eat any of it that is poison right there put all that nonsense down get some fruits get that plant baked up 40 pounds love it that right there is uh, counter racism what you eat what you put on that plate what is on your fork man racists hate that like oh my god man we're supposed to be stuffing them full of cheeseburgers and pizza and mcdonald's and whoppers and snickers bars man i used to tear up some snickers bars and he's rejecting all that eating fruits and drop 40 pounds might have added some years to your life like for real 40 pounds man bravo black self-respect right there i love it more folks should be uh doing he said he feels bad i guess so 40 pounds my goodness that is a man that is a substantial chunk of weight to uh drop off i'd be feeling better too bravo bravo eat more veggies drink more water we can all do that love it love it love it and then modeling that for the other black people that you are around they like man you are looking tough what has been going on what you've been doing we don't even have to get to racism just trying to eat more fruits get more vegetables get these plums in get some pineapples get some spinach some kale wow i have to hang out and eat with you see if we can get my i'm trying to lose 40 pounds too love it love it love it love it uh let's see other folks who dialed in with a hand up if we missed you totally non-clemson grad and or miss c our caller in florida also should be with us i'll look for other hands get our emails as well um hello everyone hope everyone's having an okay night i just have a couple things to take me for the minute 
Um, almost got into, almost got killed crossing the street after getting off the bus on my way to work. Um, imagine that there's uh, two through lanes in one direction and a center turn lane. A woman who works where I work at the county was making a left turn, and she decided to wait and allow me to pass. As I'm standing in front of the bus, um, and as she's signaling, signaling me to cross the street, she thinks she's doing me a favor. There's a car coming through in the adjacent lane um, at full speed. Personally, I see the vehicle and just simply wait and tell her to go. Um, when you did your interview with Angie Smith, she talked about the idea that when people are driving and someone comes to a stop, that adjacent traffic is supposed to stop just like a school bus, but um, rarely does that happen. And of course, the person driving through the lane probably did not see me. So if I step out into that lane, I might not be talking to you today. Uh, let's see. Um, the white B word who likened me to the office contagion has now left to a different department. I am very, very happy. The B word is gone. Um, recently, um, I had a conversation with my assistant manager about lapsing federal funds. And um, the funds end at the end of the federal fiscal year, which is at the end of September, roughly $400,000. And um, I'm having a conversation with my assistant um, administrator in the office, and, you know, he wants to prevent, he wants to prevent the funds from lapsing because it's happened before and it's a waste of money. You know, it can, it can be used to do things like build sidewalks at the very least, if, if nothing else. But anyway, he says to me about these funds, if I, if my hair was on fire, if I have a gun to my head, what would I do? In the moment, I answered sidewalks. In hindsight, I should have responded that I hope I can put the fire out, and I pray if, if someone had a gun to my head that I'm lucky enough to survive with my life. Or maybe I should have responded. My head was never my ne my head has never been on fire, and I've never had a gun to my head, so I um, cannot um, cannot relate to that situation. Basically, white people in their tacky, trifling, maybe even threaten um, you know threatenous uh, metaphors. And um, you want me to tell? Oh, apparently, okay. And my wife wanted to tell this story. Apparently, uh, we had a lesson before um, around I think six o'clock today you know, dance lesson, and um, basically, you know, we teach our house dance lessons, and the woman who was coming for her dance lesson, um, you know, she was uncomfortable with the idea of a work-from-home um, work home business, and at first, she decided that she was not going to come, and then she finally decided to come, and interestingly enough, she had a wonderful time, and was shocked that had a, what a wonderful time, what a wonderful lesson it was. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you go through these dance lessons, people reveal things about themselves. Like, for example, and this is a white female from the Middle East. I'm not sure where in the Middle East, though. I didn't ask her. She said that when she was a child, um, she was um, abused. She, she, um, she, didn't, she, just, she didn't say how she was abused. She just said she was abused. I'm assuming maybe she had abused her parents or something like that. I have no particular idea. I didn't want to intrude. Um, but as she got real comfortable, and we, you know, we're talking about dancing and stuff like that, I think she referred to me as a, a brother. <laughs> so that was very interesting. Went from I'm um, scared to go to this home-based business for a dance lesson to uh, oh, I see you as a brother. Now I wasn't really particularly sure how how she meant that though. I don't pretty, I didn't take it as a, a condescending or mean thing. It was just 
I just don't know what you mean by that. And with that, I'll leave my line. Black brother. Like brother of hell. Indeed. Uh, hmm. Non-Clemson grad, Miss C. Hmm. I don't, uh, I don't necessarily take it as an insult or a slur per se when others refer to me as bro or brother or any of the permutations, but yes, and it's always curious, like, how am I to take that? I see you as a brother. Hmm. Hmm. Do you see Miss C as a sister? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> like, I don't... Anyway, uh, let's see. The Angie Smith, she gets mentioned all the flipping time. Like, I don't know if her book is top 10, although it is memorable. And that interview was like this time uh, last year, the wretched summer of 2021, although this summer is not much better. Um, but that book does get referenced quite a bit. Even this week, it's been mentioned multiple times. We were talking about Cynthia Wiggins and the black people in Buffalo on the Burglar Express and their pitiful walkability scores like even her work actually he referenced I was talking about how lame these white scholars in the Buffalo area have been not only did they not know Joseph G. Christopher uh, Dr. Jason Knight he had referenced Angie Schmidt some of her other scholarship on the same subject matter he did not know her book at all now I'm not saying every you know scholar or what have you they have to look at every document or what have you but man like you do all this work this is right in your field neighborhoods and walkability and why that's important health talk about losing weight they talked about that being in an area where you can walk all these health benefits you'll be more likely to walk where it's safer to walk or you don't have to feel like oh my god I'm going to be run down and killed or my children will be run down and killed you can lose weight lower obesity levels and all of this and a scholar that you're already familiar with writes a whole feature or full length book on this subject the the white buffalo scholars have not impressed me at all at all none of them anyway glad that non-Clemson grad is still with us uh, it's like dang his co-worker did his co-worker try and run him down like dang he said oh she was going to let him cross but yes the dreaded when they allow you to cross they do not stop necessarily on both sides of the street both directions of traffic and I'd say especially with a black person that's directly in her book like what nigger in the road step on the accelerator like two points bonus for me we talked about that uh, in detail uh, with uh, he said the B word is gone I remember that's in the archives he called in to tell us and I think that is pre-Rona he's like ew the contagion is here Ugh. got everybody sick pre-Rona thank goodness now she is gone amen hopefully we won't have to deal with her anymore uh, the metaphors <laughs> Now, as wacky as it sounds, I've heard that one a number of times. If your hair was on fire, 
and there was a gun to your head. Now, I just said this, this program, gun references in the workplace, in my view, like really, every time that eyebrow raise at the minimum, like really? And it can't just be that even fits the pattern racism, white supremacy. You don't just kill a nigra. You can't just kill Emmett Till. That's what uh, Moby, uh, what is it? Moby Till. I'll get her name. Make sure my apologies to his mother, Emmett Till. Mamie Till Mobley. Mamie Till Mobley. It just needed a, a second. Hadn't intended to talk about her. Mamie Till Mobley. The whole reason that she exposed the casket was they couldn't just kill a 14 year old. No, 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 no. We got to castrate him and pull out some of his teeth, torture him, crash his skull in, pull out one of his eyes. We got to torture him. It's not enough. So hair on fire and a gun to you. You got to set me on fire and shoot me. That's what they did to uh, Zachariah Walker. You got to set me on fire and shoot me. Dang. I mean, how you make a decision? You got your hair on my hair on fire and a gun to my head. Nine one one is that? <laughs> I don't know. Stop dropping rolls. Is that what they say? The metaphors. My goodness! It can't, if you had to make a decision right now, next five seconds, you got to make a decision. What do you do? We can't get put you in a non violent hypothetical situation blackmail privilege I guess um, that's so interesting that he gave us the, the dance situation where he said the, the white woman his, 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 his sister from the Middle East that she said at first she wasn't going to do the lesson he says what you got to go to these niggers house oh no nah, I mean, I'm good I'm good <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't. She wasn't. Now that even be might be one. Hey, just a, excuse me for interrupting. Um, I don't know whether or not the woman, and this was a white woman clearly, um, with green eyes and blue eyes and everything, um, was worried about coming to our house. But one of the things she also said inside the lesson that my wife just reminded me of was, um, she said the quote metaphor. Usually, I don't judge a book by its cover. In reference to coming to our home based business. I love it. I love it. I love that. The metaphors abound. Woo. Okay. All right. Okay. So you talk to her. You two talk to her. Do you think if you two were both classified as white, this would have been an issue? Um, my wife is of the belief no. I really don't know um, because I think it also depends on where our house is located. We know what you would call the hood <laughs> so, uh, or, you know, a black neighborhood. So uh, maybe, but maybe if we were in a white neighborhood, people would think um, differently. So, for example, me and my wife, um, we go to other, um, plenty of other black people um, houses who run businesses out of their houses like they sell stuff and we're perfectly okay with them. Um, you know, as long as they sell what we want, we're willing to go buy it, even if it's at their house. But that's how we feel. But, you know, white people, I did tell her, hey, prioritize your safety above all else. As you, uh, what's the book you referenced um, recently? Um, the Gift of Fear. But um, not really sure what she was fearing here. 
Um, you know, we clearly articulate that this is a home-based business in all our communications and all our website and stuff like that, and that we reveal the address after you book, meaning you put money on our books. We don't allow people to simply just come into the house and, you know, potentially cancel lessons and do whatever. You know, put money on the books, show that you are legitimately coming here to do business. Hmm. Good memory. That is Gavin DeBecker. Uh... So your wife, Miss C, she thinks, yes, if you all had been wife, it would have been different. You, you're not so sure? I am not sure, but I think um, it's an issue because we live in a black neighborhood. And here's my wife. Hold on, I got one thing. So one day I was going for a walk around the neighborhood and there was a newly built house, um, maybe about a quarter of a mile away from us. And I saw all these white women, you know, working out in their driveway. And I was like, huh, you know, there was, there was like five or six of them, you know, all parked in, on the street. Um, and they were working out outside, you know, doing what they do. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So white people are okay coming into the hood to, to come, you know, to this white person's business. But, you know, they have problems. Um, you know, when they say, oh, my God, they, they call. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people call, you know, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the lesson. They're like, I'm trying to locate your, your business. And is this, <laughs> is this a residential neighborhood? And I'm like, yeah, you're in the right place. And they, they sound so confused. But this woman today, she was like, you know, it's 15 15, 20 minutes before her lesson, she's like, I'm trying to find your house, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, just park in the driveway, and she's like, I don't feel comfortable coming, coming to a home-based business, and I was like, okay, and, you know, like, let's end this call, and then, you know, I had to call her back, because she wanted a refund, you know, she sent it via PayPal, and I was like, uh-uh, nope, I'm calling you back, because we're ready to, to bring you in for this lesson, we don't give refunds unless we're unable, you know, we're ill, we're incapacitated or the house is shut down or whatever. I'm not giving anybody a refund. <laughs> if, if, I, if I can service, serve a client, um, not happening. But I told her, I was like, hey, you know, I'll just send you a picture of what the inside looks like. And then she was like, okay, send a picture. And then I'll make my decision. I was like, okay, whatever. It's just like the basement um, shooting studio. It looks like the basement shooting studio. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, Joseph G. Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We we have we could run a gun range in our house in our <laughs> in our house. She's joking. That's not true. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So so um. And all the correspondence, it's crazy because all the correspondence, it says, we operate a, home, a private home-based dance studio in such and such neighborhood. And, you know, we don't list the address publicly, so, you know, whatever. But I was just surprised. I was like, you're the first person out of all our clients who have had a problem with this. And so when she came, like, I was very attentive, trying to, like, calm her down, ease some of that fear or nervousness and I was like ma'am there's two instructors here like what I, I think she was afraid because she's coming in as a solo lady I think she was afraid of oh I'm gonna get raped 
in this house. <laughs> That's what I suspect. And I told her, I was like, 99% of the time, it's both me and non-Clemson grad for the lesson, whether it's a couple, <laughs> whether it's a single person. And then later on, he forgot this important detail. When she says, I see him like a brother, she's referencing wanting to do this dance called the Blero, which I call the Spanish waltz. It's very intimate. It's very sensual, all this kind of stuff. She wants to dance to a specific song called Lady in Red. She's like, I love this song. I want to do a dance, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people, I don't know what it is, but a lot of people think I get jealous of non-Clemson grad dancing with other people. But just as he can dance with other people, I can dance with other people and we keep it professional. You know, at the end of the night, we know who we're going home with. <laughs> and and so I try to like tell her like, ma'am, everything we do is tasteful. Like, I, I don't know what idea these people get when they think like, oh, they can come in here and, you know, uh, uh, like seduce either him or seduce me or whatever. I'm like, it's not happening. It's not happening. I'm here to make to make a bag. <laughs> so however however we can get this done to give you what you're looking for and to make sure this this business is sustainable, let's make it happen. But with that, I'll end the call. What in the world? Just wow. Wow. That is an important detail to me. <laughs> Wow. Just wow. Uh, I'm not surprised. That she, I guess the beginning of all of that was she, uh, Miss C, where she was saying that she sees the white women come to the neighborhood or what have you for their activities or what have you, and they don't seem intimidated or uh, anxious or what have you, even though they're in the same, I guess, neighborhood, Negro-occupied neighborhood, and they can come do their activities. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a problem. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to come to these Negroes' house for this thing? Whoa, 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 whoa. Strength in numbers. I don't know. Um, that is, hmm. I think uh, I think if you all have been classified as white, like she said, you all are so flagrant about saying that this is a home-based business or what have you. It's not like you pulled the okie doke on her or what have you and had her thinking that this was going to be out, you know, at a park, like summertime outdoor thing or at some hall or public space or what have you. And then the last one, ah, we're going to be at the house. Ha ha, gotcha. Like, uh, she, she knew all of this. So to get there and be like, oh, wait a minute, there's all these black people like what what <laughs> she said she thinks she's gonna be raped like oh my god what i was i at the very beginning i had the same thought process that she had like i'm not sure i would be comfortable doing this out of my residence for basically the same reasons that she had like ooh, like if i'm gonna be thought of as a rapist and a criminal and all that anyway like man like i don't want to be getting those allegations and we're in my residence like man <laughs> and i don't just race soldiers in the residence and all of that could be jeffrey uh joseph g christopher and you know all the rest of it anyway um yeah that would be something at least in the back of my mind like hmm i wonder if we can eventually maybe we can become profitable enough we can get a space so we don't have to do this in our residence and yeah, that way we don't have to, everybody will be happy. They don't have to be in our space, and we don't have to have them in our space, and yeah. Uh, the, 
I don't even know where to come. Like, she said she left out the that non Clemson grad left out the detail. She's got this whole fantasy about wanting to do this dance sequence about Lady in Red and all this sensual, sexual activity that she's got to do with the black male, presumably. Like she knows that she's not going to be doing this with Miss C. So, like, what in the. And then it. Oh, 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 oh. There's another detail there. All right. So it's not that she had the fantasy about me. At least that's not the impression we were trying to give. Mm. Apparently she was dating someone, but we don't know who that person is. She invited who she wanted to be able to dance with that person. But for whatever reason, she's having a hard time with, um, you know, getting or keeping male partners, even though she has two kids already who are 8 and 11 that she um, she revealed. But her fantasy is to be able to dance to Lady in Red with her male partner. Not necessarily me. But with her male partner, I don't know who that partner is, whether or not he's black or white. Oh, okay, okay. Much obliged for the for the uh, clarification. What 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 gave you the impression? Um, either of you, I guess, really, what gave you the impression if this was in close proximity verbally to the comment about, "Oh, this is my brother. I see you as a brother." Uh, that this was some sort of, you know, hey, like Missy, don't. Uh, I don't know if you got some insecurities that I'm, you know, coming in here and trying to creep up on your brother. Uh, was this <laughs> like what? What even gave you um, that? Um, I think um, my wife interpreted it differently than I did. Um, not to say my wife is wrong. I just interpreted it differently. Personally, I think she just got comfortable. Obviously, she went from um, I'm not comfortable with the idea of going to a home based business for dance lessons and to getting here, getting comfortable, me leading her through the lessons her having a um, a good time and then getting more comfortable in her language and maybe potentially had a Freud, uh, Freudian slip saying, you know, when you're talking about the idea of this, you know, she sees me as a brother as if I'm literally her brother. She doesn't want to do anything sensual with her brother. That's how I think she meant it. Uh, my wife took it a different way. <laughs> hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, yeah, that's wow. Then this is one of those type work situations where they, I mean, there's physical contact and all that. So, I mean, woof, man, wacky all the way around. Much obliged for sharing, even that one, different interpretation of the, the same event. Fascinating. Wow, wow. Could have been a Freudian slip, he did say. Lots of those uh, that do take place. Um, I don't know. I might even have cameras. That might be some. Anybody that does a, a business, not just uh, non Clemson grad, Missy, anybody that has uh, a business that is out of your residence, might be a good idea to have a camera just for your own protection. Never know, especially if there's any sort of physical contact. Just bam. That way you have hard documentation. You have, you know, everybody can give their statement and then bam, record of what happened. Uh, Technology has advanced so much. You know, they can be pretty inexpensive or what have you, but just something to uh, think about anybody that does any work out of their residence and or really (laughs) if you go to somebody else's residence. Again, the technology is to the point where you can easily have something that's on like a keychain or your person or what have you. If you have to go do like physical therapy or anything like that or even working in people's residence. Uh, if you have to go to their property, might be good to have some sort of uh, recording just so that you have a record of what took place. 
Much obliged, uh, Missy. Not Clemson grad. Wowzers. Wowzers. Uh, let me... I'll get in some of the emails as well, and then we'll get other folks who dialed in uh, also uh, emails. Let's, uh, the email address, untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Get to those. Again, if you uh, have concerns about being anonymous, being identified, all that, write it down. We will protect your identity. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is our, our victim, a uh, black female. She has the white female supervisor and then the uh, victim, a uh, black female subordinate who, you know, is sabotaging all the rest. Hi, Gus and callers. Uh, this is incompetent Carrie, white woman, uh, called off sick for most of the week back today and was ill three days that I took leave last week. Apparently, she contracted COVID right on cue, which isn't surprising given how much mixing she has been doing with people. She managed to share her holiday plans in between days out of the office. Come on now. It's entirely possible she contracted COVID, but I truly believe Carrie is suffering from work avoidance syndrome. Lazy heifer. Carrie has been out of the office for about three weeks, annual and sick leave, and did very little when she was in the office. The work she is allowed to focus on is the equivalent of painting by numbers activities that children would be given. Wow. <laughs> Oh, no no respect for Carrie. Let's see. I had three days leave last week, returning on Monday online. I was bombarded with emails and requests from my racist manager and the non-white female as soon as I logged on. I gave the non-white female a basic task to do before I went on leave. And of course, she struggled to do it and was panicking. My racist manager was apparently ignoring her requests for support, so I was instructed to help her. The non-white black female who allegedly reports to me blamed my racist manager for her inability to complete the task, which is true because she didn't help, which didn't really surprise me and was an indication of how she blames me for her ineptness. I am not surprised by the non-white disloyalty to my racist manager. The quality of the non-white black females work is so variable. It's clear to me that my racist manager does her work for her, not because she cares about the non-white female, but because she was using her to undermine me. It seems she's getting bored with the non-white female, which is why she ignored her request. Now, see, that's important, too. A lot of times we get frustrated with these non-white females and boy, I'm going to bop her upside the head. I'm not saying the person who wrote this is, but I'm just saying us in general. We get upset with them or what have you. Hey, that victim that is being used to sabotage us or whatever they're doing, racist when they get done with them, which may happen Five years from now may happen 20 years from now may happen two days from now. Oh, they are a nigger too. Don't think they're not going to be mistreated. Probably are being mistreated the whole while that they're sabotaging you. 
we can kind of forget that and just getting folks, especially when somebody is, you know, mistreating you and all the rest can be easy to lose sight of that. But I mean, woo, system of white supremacy victims all the way through. She continues. My racist manager was also projecting her anger towards me for taking leave. I've decided to stop calling my manager's behavior passive aggressive. There's nothing passive about it. Everyone in the department is encouraged to take summer leave. Yep. Yet my manager, racist manager seems to be angry with me for taking leave days I'm entitled to. That is so common in the system of white supremacy, non-white people who, and I'm not talking about non-white people who like take off every day. This is not like lame, old, incompetent carry. These hardworking non-white people who come in early on time get their work done they are not slackers and they take a day off they got children maybe or just want to replenish it's summertime can I go to the barbecue can I hang out in Barbados for five days and the white you doing what you taking a day off hmm hmm think they're gonna take a day off. am I not allowed to take oh no you've got you you got the lead time and everything I just hmm. Mm-hmm. or they get real no they got whole lots of ways with it the attitude I told you before it can just be you taking the vacation they don't have to know you went to Barbados I haven't even been to Barbados what do you mean you're going to Barbados it doesn't even have to be that I told you it's tons of examples in the archives non-white people they took that vacation and did get to go someplace cool that for sure they will have an attitude just taking the time off you could just take the time off and sit at home eat smoothies and and eat plums brag about your 40 pounds of weight loss they'll be mad about that you're supposed to be here so I can mistreat you and nag you all day long find things to blame on you she says uh I believe my racist manager is deranged. Wow. She moves from praising me for my work to anger within minutes, which is what happened later that day. She also made an excuse for her angry behavior in a meeting we had with another suspected racist in the team. She was basically apologizing to me without really sorry, without saying she was sorry. She would acknowledge and correct her mistreatment. So I'm not interested in her tacky apology oh I didn't read that she was basically apologizing to me without actually apologizing in her usual tacky fashion if she was really sorry she would acknowledge and correct her mistreatment which she doesn't do they never do that the non-white black female continues to be inappropriate the team I am in has recently merged with another and is now comprised of four males three of whom are suspected racists and one non-white male. Carrie, the non-white black female, another suspected racist female, myself, and our racist white female manager, who is team lead. At the start of the week, most people worked from home. It was very hot, so most people... that is crazy it's not been hot here this whole summer it was very hot so most people commented on how they were coping in the team online chat I've noticed two of the suspected racist white males generally say very little in the chat 
which I believe is because they don't want anyone to monitor when they log on off that is intelligent I love it if that is what they're doing uh, because most of those chats and stuff now they got so many wacky ones they got the sum where she talked about where you chat and it like deletes in 30 minutes so there's no records so they can kind of say whatever they want to and not have to worry about it others they got that timestamp, so they lost <laughs> like when you logged on and all the rest of it how long you were here did Nick log on for like 30 seconds and then dip <laughs> ditch us or whatever and he was out at the beach or whatever just get on and then don't say a word I love ghost them on the chat. They have no idea. Is Robbie, is Robbie here? He's not. I don't see any emojis. <laughs> I love it. It's, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, the non-white black female decided to share that she was working in her bra and shorts with the whole team, adding sorry guys to her commentary. Some of the racist suspects reacted with laughter emojis. One racist suspect, male, who rarely comments in chat reacted with the horror shocked face emoji. There are many, many things I could say on this one, man, delectable Negro and all of that for males and females. You do not want to be talking about, Oh, I'm sitting in here nude. I'm sitting in here in my drawers and my bra and panties. And all. you do not. You are asking for trouble. All kind. And this again goes back to professionalism. I, I have been told outside of Seattle, it is in fact summer, and that some places the temperature is actually above 73 degrees. 23 Celsius that that is happening in some parts of the world even if that's the case you do not you should not be announcing I'm here nude it's so hot my god got ice dripping on my forehead I'm gonna be professional I'm not gonna say anything in the chats they don't know when I log on or off and keep it moving because we're not trying to do Jeffrey Tubin either Incidentally, I would make every precaution to make sure if you are going to be sitting there and whatever, you're halfway decent, that that camera does not slip on accidentally, even maybe make sure that it's covered. So if it does go on even for a millisecond or what have you. But I mean, you see the tackiness right there. Some of the white people, they put up a little laugh emoji when she says this. Oh, I'm, you know, in my bra and panties are so high. And they, oh, ha, 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 ha. And then the other guy puts up the shock horror. Dear. God, what is going on with these folks? Matter of fact, non-Clemson grad was with us. Now, he said this wasn't online. He said, hey, I'm in my office. Do a little yoga. Stay in shape. Summertime. Get out here in the lake. Be great. Door closed. I'm doing yoga. White woman comes by. What? Is that raping nigra? Oh, my Lord. And she goes and reports it to HR like, oh, my Lord. He had his shirt off. I knew he was going to burst through the door and rape me any moment. Everyone, not as two in a row. Everyone, non-Clemson guard is coming to rape us all. That sort of environment, it easily could be. Oh, my Lord. She was posting all this inappropriate commentary in the online chat, and it was sexually suggestive, and it was unprofessional, which it is. 
and I just felt uncomfortable. I could eat it. Don't let you be a black male saying that sort of that. Oh my lord, my air conditioning went out. I got to sit in my drawers. It's so hot. Whoa, panic button, panic button. Like whoa, whoa. Either way, you do not. I mean, have some boundary, professional, professional. Same thing. Nothing. I would not say anything in chat text online email that I wouldn't say in the workplace I probably wouldn't be doing a whole lot of commentary about my wardrobe if we were in the office I'm not going to be talking about my wardrobe or lack thereof when we're at home man oh man when you do not understand white supremacy racism everything else will only confuse you incidentally uh, our writer she said she did not acknowledge or comment on all of this about oh I'm in my birthday suit it's so hot and blah 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 what can you do that might even I don't know but I mean if you all got all these performance meetings and everything that might be something that you can bring up to her it might I mean for some folks hey I've already made my decision and whatever and I like to share and I'm a bubbly personality so be it uh, in terms of having boundaries uh, because the, these types of things some people can laugh and joke and blah 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 other settings especially if you're classified as black these sort of disclosures can be a problem even if it's just as you are seen not as bubbly but as unprofessional someone that should not be what they call management material we don't want to put this person in charge of the project they're not they're not serious number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, the email until justice at gmail.com caller in Florida with us uh, I'll look out for other folks if they dialed in and or other emails again you can let us know about the COVID-19 situation uh, your thoughts the reverse discrimination black person and a white person say nigra in the workplace one gets or the black person in this case gets the light punishment the white person gets the severe punishment retrial next month next month folks can let us know what they think about that case as well uh others who dialed in if you have commentary to share proceed may i be heard caller in florida yes sir yes sir thank you very much sir greetings to gus the host the listeners and callers I have quite a bit of updates I like to share. Um, I see, uh, I forgot to mention to start off that there was, I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this on the line, but, you know, I work in customer service. So these two white women came in um, and, you know, I was helping them out with, uh, with some of the 
old time records or something like that, one of their ancestors. And, you know, maybe after about five minutes, uh, they began to sit down on the ground, both of them, you know, and given the time with COVID, you know, I still have uh, the partitions and everything up and I have a cart and everything up. So like, uh, <laughs> did, did y'all want to have a seat or anything like that? So like, oh no, you know, we're, we're floor sitters. She says floor sitters. So I was like, okay. But in my mind, I was thinking, man, that, that visual, I already know because it, I work in an environment where I am seen is like you mentioned, uh, with the that other case, the angry black man, and I'm seen as a you know as a as a uh, as a Negro and everything like that, racism, white supremacy. So, the person who said something was a, another uh, uh, black female. Now, I've already offered them to to um, take a seat, and they wanted to sit on the ground. Okay, like in my 11 years, I've never seen this. So. Uh, so she comes in and says, "Okay, are y'all okay? Do you want to have a seat? It's like, oh, no, he's already offered it to us. You know, we like to sit on the ground. This is two white people now. So my thing is like, wow, I guess she probably didn't, <laughs> she didn't think that I was going to offer these two white women, you know, uh, a seat or whatever. It's like, what this, what is this, 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 you know, this blank. Why he don't want to offer these white women a seat? So that like I wanted to share that one first. My next one, um, a a click member that was wearing a red bandana, you know the thief and everything. Uh, I already know she has that pattern where she just walks around not speaking to anyone. So I already know when the pattern is occurring, and she walk past me saying, Oh, uh hey, hey, uh she said she said, Hey, my name, who do you want me to fight? <laughs> so I was like, nobody, I'm trying to get this work done. Oh, I just got so much of this energy, you know, who 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 can I fight or something like that? So she just starts smiling and walked away. Like she's talking about fighting somebody and and I believe she said that to me before. Um, but I didn't really feel like dealing with her, so I was really busy. But yeah, that was the that was the 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 thing she is after multiple days. That was one of the things she even thought to say to me. Now, maybe about fifteen minutes ago, she spoke, but you know, after talking with some of the other females in the department, she walked by me saying that. Um, my my next one is there was a, a white woman that was trying to be flirtatious. All right. Cowbell. So I had this, I had the camera. So, uh, and she was all insecure down on herself and everything. I was just trying to take the picture. Right. And I don't, I don't try and I don't try and add any extra things that I don't need to add. So I just say like, you know, can you sit up, look straight at the camera so I could take this photograph. So I took the picture and she was like, oh, I hope it didn't come out ugly. I just don't tend to take good pictures. Um, I said, hey, everything looks fine. And um, it looks like the picture 
qualify for a uh, passport photo. And he says, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I still don't really do too well in taking these pictures. You know, I don't, I don't look like you, you know, I don't, but you're, you know, you're good looking, you're good looking. Uh, And I said, well, the picture came out well, and I'm going to take it up to the front counter. So I, I I totally just went straight to business. Uh, I'm printing this picture. I'm take it up to the front. So you can just head right back up to the front counter and continue with the next step of the process. So she's going to throw that in there, add that in there. Oh, you're doing such a good job, you know, talking about my appearance. So that was what I wanted to say. Um, and as far as the COVID, I definitely hear that there's more cases going up in the three different buildings. It's another guy over in the uh, the archives. He had it. He's on his third time being sick. Okay, coming in that coffin. People have to go home and quarantine. You know, white male, of course. So total disregard for wearing a mask and going by the protocol. Uh, I have some stories, some stories, well, three of them, three reports over the last week. Uh, the first one is the the county sheriff, right? So he has um, four sons, uh, and the governor, Governor DeSantis, we're not going to monkey up Florida. So he had some investigation going with the state attorney on investigating, I guess, some kind of driving without a license charge on the uh, sheriff's son. And he's talking about getting it prosecuted a certain way because he's related to the sheriff. How is the governor going to do that? But, but see, the uh, the county sheriff, he's a black male. So I'm not surprised at that when you uh, mention it. So that was one. The next one is there. There was a, a black male, right? Um, so he he's been in he's been in jail since like July the ninth, a couple weeks ago. So the race soldiers um, apparently set off the uh, the canines on his black male, and when they I guess he was uh he was trying to flee from police or whatever, so they the dogs caught up to him. And the racists they allowed the dog to um do great damage to his face and bit the eyeball out of his out of the socket. So on the news report now they had a bunch of people doing a protest outside of the other building. So this guy got a bandage, like a whole bunch of bandages wrapped around his face. And then they ended up telling him that he's not going to be charged with anything. So they allowed him to, uh, to get out of jail or whatever. Cause I guess they so-called recognize the wrong, one, but he lost his eye. He lost his right eye. Um, so that was a, uh, that was another report I wanted to make. And then one last one is there was some uh, stealing going on 
at the courthouse above the uh, county that I'm in, in the uh, northern part of Florida. So this is a, a supervisor, a white woman supervisor in the records area. I work on the records, but she's in records. So this white woman has been investigated for the last year for stealing money. Uh, in particular, she's been stealing people's tax deed payment, tax payments on their property. And it ended up amounting to $27,000. So from my understanding, I'm thinking it was people coming in and I'm wondering if it was black people coming in, making these payments, paying them money, you know, that hard earned money. So she would apparently like void the payments and somehow, some way keep the money in, in certain patterns and intervals and whatnot. And actually going to put it in her account, like a thief, you know, and, you know, they show her mugshot on the local news and I don't know what the charges are going to be, but just that's just some of the, the criminal behavior that's uh, going on around in the area. Uh, other than that, that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. I love it. I love it. Now, we started, we had the red flag uh report at the very beginning for that exact sort of thing they were talking about fraud and being able to pick out now which people are going to be likely to commit those sorts of crimes 27 he said now for real for real who was coming in to pay their hard earned money pay my taxes to the sunshine state do my part I'm a hard working citizen and she's oh yes Yes, ring every seat and yeah, wait for them to leave. Put that in my old pocket. Get that old that twenty-seven. Th- and what did I say at the beginning? The interest. How long you been doing that? If that's in little drips and drabs and drips, because he didn't say she was, you know, coming in. And I, I suspect people are not coming in and dropping off like fifteen thousand dollars at a time. So I mean, if this is little, you know. Oh, I get a little 50 bucks here, 100 bucks here, 50 bucks here. This could have been going on for a while. <laughs> like, whoa. Wanda stacked up 27K. Again, off of who? And now they got her mother. That's, but that's exactly, exactly what I said. Like, you have white people, Wanda. Rhonda was not looking or whatever her name. I guess she got a mugshot. So now she got a record. We get her name. But she was not, you know, concerned. The rules do not apply to me. Especially if it was black Floridians coming in there to pay their taxes. Now, we don't know. Maybe it was all white people. Who knows? Tim Tebow's relatives, maybe. I don't know. But man, even still, the rules do not apply. Do what I want. She says she opened a bank account, put this money right on in. I'm doing it. Might have to go check that case out and see exactly how long has this been going on. Is this all of the money? Like it was, it was just 27k. Especially if this has been going on for like years and years and years. Like it was just 27k. Hmm. I don't think if this had been a black, if this had been you all of the supervisors that they complain about at the courthouse 
I don't think they would have been able to smuggle 27000 I don't think you would have been able to smuggle $27. He told us he was at the courthouse and they had to stain on the foot. Right there. That's the cup right there. Right there. Right there. So 27000 dollars like twenty dollars? I don't think you're gonna get away with it, buddy. Let's see. I haven't heard of floor sitters either. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I like a good chair. I mean, they got some people they buff the floor daily and give it a good mop, so the floor is always clean, clean enough to eat off of, as they say. But uh, I like a good chair. Uh. I don't know now. The white woman that came in, she may have. That might have been her thought process. Like, oh my God, we got these good white people and this callous, cruel nigger got them sitting on the floor. What is wrong with you? Why didn't you offer them a chair? <laughs> like, I tried, man. I tried. Like, what do you want me to do? Take a horse to water, you can't make him drink. I don't know. I've never seen that one before. Um, they might hit, they've been black. They might have hit the panic button. Like, hey, we got loiterers. What's going on in here? Let's see. Uh, now, the woman that came in, she said she was energized. I don't know what happened. It's Friday or, you know, she's got vacation time coming up. She says she's, ooh, ooh, who you want me to fight? Ooh, I'm feeling good. I got a lot in it. Tell me somebody. I get them for you. Ooh. That's really, I mean, that really, that's red flag too, really. But, I mean, she didn't say she came over like, oh, I have got so much energy. Do you need anything done? Is your recycling emptied out? Your trash is emptied out. Any errands that's got to be done. Mail needs to be picked up. Anything. You got to take something to somebody. That, I got it. I am a ball of energy. You need me to vacuum the office up? Anything? Okay. This, this is your one time to ask. If you Anything that can help you out. I'm going around. Double check with everybody. You need me to run to get you a coffee? I got it. You sure? Okay. That's what she could have came and did. Hey, I got a lot of energy. Let me know anything constructive needs to be done. I got that's not what she said. Mr. Fuller talked about that. It's a whole lot of things that would stand out as at minimum peculiar. If we were not in a system of white supremacy, racism, all these goofy metaphors. Hey, if your hair was on fire, there was a gun to your head and you had to make a decision. What? They <laughs> come. Hey. I am feeling great. Who do you need me to knock upside the head? <laughs> what? And we're in the workplace. Still. It's not like we still at the workplace. Like, uh, uh, the warden. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like, what? What? And then she <laughs> goes off snickering. That's Gavin DeBecker, gift of fear. Like, man, what are you talking? And again, that's another one. Now imagine me walking around here saying that. I am feeling great. Who want to start something today? <laughs> Who need their lip bust today? Anybody. Take on any comers. Imagine that. Panic again. Panic button. Come on, man. At minimum. That's another reason. I don't have anything to say. This is the sort of environment that we're in. I'm not looking to help people. I'm looking to start a fight for no reason. Yet work. He continues. Now, then you get the other side of it. That's just tacky, just different spectrums of tacky. We're just doing the passport photo. Come in. All right. Get your photo. Hmm. I'm not very attractive. I'm just an old, ugly white woman. 
I, we talked about this a long time. Like, white people are not ignorant about racism. Many of these no-count white people, we talked about it, whether they've been abused or whatever else. Many, oh, that's two for. I wasn't there, so I'm glad everybody shared. There was not unanimous opinion with non-Clemson grad, Miss C. I think he said, unless my memory is bad. I think non-Clemson grad said that there was some abuse. Oh, never with this white woman. He didn't ask. He didn't want to get into her business. We're just here for a tango lesson, right? I'm saying I've seen a pattern. These white women, they got low self-esteem or what have you. They've been beaten, mistreated, abused as a child or what have you. Ooh, I know just the elixir. Let me get a no self-esteem, no count victim of racism, black person, male or female. And they will come and, oh, you are just an amazing white woman. Wow, you are so beautiful and smart and attractive and white and oh my goodness we've we got that in the archives man we got a tubby white woman this was 2010 came on the program and she was in sexual activity with a black male had been abused so you got the double whammy she was like 300 pounds or whatever i'm not fat shaming i'm just this record and she had been abused as a young person same thing now who would i hang out with black and she explained all this in detail exactly what i'm saying we talked about all this in detail I'm going to come get my pa- Oh, strapping black male. Mm. Yeah, I'm always so ugly in my pictures. Here, fishing for That's what they call it. Fishing for compliments. Oh, no. Why would you say that? You're just as beautiful as can be. Just an old fair. Wow. What, what do you mean? He didn't do none of that. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. She said, oh, he didn't, he didn't hear me. Said, well, I just, I don't, I don't take pictures that well, you see, because I'm just, I'm just ugly. I just, the pictures just don't come out right. Oh, it's fine. You just move along up front. Like, what the? What, because he said she, that she kept going. She said, I got to be flagrant. What is wrong with this coon here? I didn't say, he didn't say I'm good. He didn't try and come in and massage me and tell me that I'm great and smart and white and, well, well, you're so good looking, I mean. I'm just not all attractive like you are and everything. Mm, they'll be ready for you up front, man. Thank you. <laughs> Stick to the code. I'm not up here flirting with any of these white women. And then that's another one. You don't know who's listening warden walked by at that moment oh please you're just a beautiful little son what what did you say me panic button again <laughs> like what i'm not here to flirt i don't care if you have low self-esteem or nothing i'm professional when we take the pictures and that's professional when i deal with all the customers do you need a seat oh your floor sitters okay we're going to get the picture. I'm not flirting. And oh, you, I'm a good looking man. Wow. Hey, let me slip my number to you. What you going to be doing this weekend? No. No. I'm just here to be professional. And I'm asserting there are many tacky, racist white women and men. That's part of their M.O. That's how they go out 
fishing. I already said that. Fishing for compliments. Fishing for niggers. I just reel them in. I'm just an old innocent, sad, bedraggled white woman. Come on. Nah, I'm good. Professional. And I know I work with a whole lot of racists who will be listening for this exact sort of thing to report me. If not, hit the panic button for being unprofessional. Trying to rape a white woman. Disgraceful all the way through. Um, I don't know. We got the white dog report too. Like, my gosh. They bit the black feather. That's... We talked about that over and over. Uh, we read the book, literally, White Dog, and then we've had scholars come on and talk about how they use. That's like Ferguson over and over. Uh, the Congo, where they use the German shepherds, like that's standard operating procedure all over the world. Using the black, oh, excuse me, using dogs, the canines, to maul black, like for life, maul, like. Man, I don't even know what to say uh, on that. Again, the urgency as to why we need to solve this problem. And that is black male privilege, too, because there is a long record of the canine usage being engineered towards black males. In the Ferguson report, they talked about this. Eric Holder, the Obama years, the good old days, 2014. I think the report might have came out in 2015, but it was very detailed about the use of the canine unit in Ferguson exclusively for black boys. Anywho, um, and we got our COVID update as well. I'm not surprised. That's been Ron DeSantis for two, almost three years now, like COVID, Schmovid. We got bigger things to fry. Looking towards 2024, getting rid of Joe Biden. We're not worried about. He said, he said the fella got it three times. I've heard multiple people got it three times, four times. Like, eh, whatever. It's not that big a deal. Get it eight times. Keep on trucking. And then come to work, cough on everybody. We got to take sick leave and what have you. Like I said, like, I'm not surprised. That's what it's been for three years in some workplaces. Some places they're taking it serious and what have you. Other places they haven't had those type of infections. But I mean, we did just hear from the caller who wrote in even. Several folks seeming like they got the Rona and mocked her because she was still taking it serious. That's why I said also we need to be talking about this. Hey, you got to be in charge of your safety. Anywho, uh, much obliged our caller in Florida. Uh, let's see. Double check 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, do not wait till the last moment. If you have commentary, questions, observations to share, uh, we should be here tomorrow for the compensatory call-in. Uh, we'll have one day off and then we'll be here on Monday. Black bodies in the river. It was so crazy. I was reading that book today, preparing, and I paused reading that book, which is about 1964, so-called civil rights movement, uh, Mississippi, Freedom Summer in Mississippi. Uh, but I paused reading that book, among other topics. I paused reading that book, and I'm looking at the death of Eric McGinnis, which is related to a different program for next week, different day. Eric McGinnis died in St. Joseph, Michigan body was found floating in the river this happened in 1991 I stopped reading black bodies in the river go to watch Eric McGinnis 
black body found in the river was not lost on me at all why there should be some urgency about solving this problem but that we'll hear if you do not know who Eric McGinnis is if you live in Michigan shame on you that's why I say it should be all about study local history if you don't know who Eric McGinnis is wait till Wednesday we will chat about him so you will be informed who is Eric McGinnis black bodies in the river all the time can't wait even might have to bring him up on Monday because that's kind of the theme of the book but that'll be for Monday white guest looking for we even have a black guest but I have to explain that later but white guest Monday non-white guest Wednesday Eric McGinnis looking forward anywho uh, folks have any other commentary that they needed to get in for today folks might be satisfied and not sure they have been cutting a fool like at the beach all day today I mean it is Friday I guess and summertime and it's been uh, relatively warm 73 degree high today uh, in Seattle which is I think of as spring weather but I mean hey for this summer that is warm earth shattering balmy weather for the Seattle area so they have been uh, wow rowdy and raucous uh, today but again hey summer is almost over so I mean if you're going to be rowdy and raucous for the summer now is the time to do it in the Seattle area it has been puzzling at the least to be experiencing this this is the coldest summer that I've ever experienced in Seattle in the time that I've been here while they're having heat waves not just across the country across the world they're having all this historic uh, heat and high temperatures in the UK and then in different parts of the US as well and they've been saying oh my gosh I hope the energy system holds up and blah 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 and meh. on July 3rd the daytime high in Seattle was 56 degrees I had to be euphoric about it being 73 today which is also a little bit below what the average high would be here in Seattle this year but I mean it is insane how cold it has been here while everywhere else you know climate change as usual heat blah, blah, all the rest of it anyway and the foliage I forgot that's the other part the foliage is here already like summer is leaving even as it seems it just got here anywho we will be here uh, tomorrow for the compensatory call in catch up on what happened uh, this past week uh, and then getting ready for lots of different programs over the weekend. I can uh, only emphasize again as they have all these goofy uh, workplace picnics and such uh, as summer unfolds I guess for some people you go to those events you are still codified you are certainly sober uh, and you don't have a whole lot to say there either you can hang out chill I would already think in advance about things you're going to talk about things you're not talking about but you have your code in place and unless this is something they do it during work hours and you're supposed to be there for the whole day or you know whatever I am out I've been to a number of these and frequently you don't have to stay the whole time they'll give rules in advance and if they don't you should ask for clarification do we have to stay here like all day we gotta be like just let us know you know and once they give the the parameters in terms of how much time you actually have to be there 
we are going to do whatever our time is and we are rolling as soon as possible sober even at the office picnic if you have to attend and I wouldn't eat there either even if they're doing like barbecue or whatever uh, jello they might bring get an ice cream truck I don't know I'm not eating there either same rules apply I'm good they can bring all veggie and hijack the farmer's market I guess and bring you know cantaloupe and honeydew and watermelon and peaches and plums and all the rest of it again if I am compensated like a valued employee I can go to the farmer's market on my own I'm still not eating thank you kindly Uh, any other folks commentary they need to get in before we conclude uh, this week soon folks are good uh, I will post the report uh, I heard the caller talking about the benefits for uh, veterans who were robbed basically that's the way we should talk about it uh, I'll post that report. I believe that was NPR. Yes, NPR, where they were talking about black veterans and their work. Maybe the, the what is the name of the organization? The Black Veterans Empowerment Council. I'm sure they have a website, so I will post their information as well. So if we have any uh, victims of racism, if they want to check that out, if you have any older folks uh, who are veterans and feel like they might have been robbed, uh, whatever resources that they earned serving their country and didn't get, yes, take advantage. If they can't still uh, use them and enjoy them, maybe they have grandparents or a spouse or child or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, get everything you add, the last nickel, last penny everything you are owned and interest uh, with that much obliged for uh, everyone's participation hope it was worthy of your Friday evening sobriety would be best especially on the job if you are out and about and you see someone being hostile and rowdy exit uh, this is not a good time for a whole lot of long verbal that the program next week with the victim victim that is exactly one of the reasons why I wanted to break our rule speak with the victim I do not think this is the time for lengthy exchanges and negro this and, and all that and I'll kill you time to go this person could be armed they could have an entire armed entourage exit unless you're ready to kill and die right now if you're in a vehicle you're sober buckled up not on your mobile device uh, we need all of our attention and we're doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately no name calling 
no gossiping no reckless production of offspring no misquoting other non-white people victims of racism either cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim no brother problem. You're a victim I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>